Hello everyone and welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the only good thing to come out of Manifest Destiny, Los Angeles, California. And joining me here in the City of Angels is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? Been hiding in cupboards since 95. (laughs) Oh, I've seen it happen. And also joining us from the white man's burden of Southern California, the Inland Empire, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I have my report ready. John F. Kennedy was born in 1917. (laughs) He was from Massachusetts. Just JFK graduated from Harvard. He joined the Navy. Cut him off. He served in both houses of Congress. Okay, okay. Point made. Point made. We are absolutely... I only had two more lines left. (laughs) Those are two lines too many. I can't. I, Jesus H. Oh, we're going to talk about JFK Report Kid. Oh, my For fucking God. For some reason, we're going to have to. We have to talk about JFK Report Kid. But before we talk about JFK Report Kid, <laughs> we have a guest joining us today, coming to you from the porn capital of the world, the San Fernando Valley. He is an actor, producer, writer, director, and co-host of the podcast That Was Disappointing, which, despite the title, is anything but. We have... Art Hall. Art, welcome to the show. Everybody's so big! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's... We eat a lot. That is... is Yeah. Um, I also want to throw in, just as a small measure, uh, I'm also the host of another podcast, so we'll talk about that some. Yeah, there's two. There's two. Because, you know, the market wasn't saturated enough, so I figured, fuck it, why not just add another to the entire sea of podcasts? Exactly. Podcasting is a seller's market. Just dip your wang into the ocean of podcasts one more time. Oh, I dip it consistently. Dip, 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 dip. All right, but before we get started, if you like what you hear today, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button. Also, be sure to share the show with anyone you think might like to listen as well. So, uh, based off of that nonsense we said earlier, this time we watched the 1995 hate crime, sorry, uh, children's film, (laughs) The Indian in the Cupboard. And John, how would you tell someone you watched The Indian in the Cupboard without saying the title? I'd be really obtuse and talk about how I um, maintain my curry spices. Just ramble on and on until they <laughs> oh, got the God. point. Art just got it. There we go. <laughs> so <Okay>. bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There. Now, finally, everyone's on board. <laughs> we're, we're all on board. Oh, God. Yeah. So Indian as in Native American. Yeah. I just wouldn't broach that. I just wouldn't touch it. I'm going to go ahead and touch that um, real quick before I ask Jules his thing. Because, yeah, it's, um, it is called the Indian in the cupboard. Some people say the preferred term is Native American. My understanding is that some prefer Indian. Some prefer Native American. I'm going to use both interchangeably and just piss everyone off. As long as you stay clear of uh, I-N-J-U-N. Oh, God. Can you even say that? We can say it when we're quoting the movie, right? It's it's quoted from the movie many times. Oh, boy. I feel like this is that whole debate about rap lyrics again all over. This is what are we going to do? So, Jules, if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this movie what would it be and please may it be less of a hate crime well i went with the bfg2 the big fuck this kid giant (laughs) (laughs) i swear i have a big warning to people who watch this movie you will say fuck this kid often and consistently whilst watching this movie so just be sure your children are safely in bed before you 
and it's not necessarily the same child each time either. No, (laughs) No. it's it's pretty much any child that shows their face in this film, I want it to fucking punch. (laughs) (laughs) And I would go to, I would do jail time just for the honor and privilege. It it was unbelievable. Okay, Art, just to stop you from punching a child, what (laughs) character would you recast and who would you replace them with? Omri, because that kid, I, by the way, I don't even, that's the last time I'll use his name. From here on out, he's called Dead Eyes. (laughs) <laughs> and, and Dead Eyes, it, it, this movie, look, for all of its weird racial things, there was actually some interesting and important lessons to share about the value of life and individuality and power. And it all got thrown in the garbage because this kid had one expression. <laughs> Is that a cookie? That's the expression I see when I look at this fucking kid. And we get so many close-ups of his stupid-ass face. Yeah, he's just got the most dumb i uh, it's like so funny because i read that he apparently read the script he loved it and he memorized every single line but why does it look like he's always trying to remember his line whenever the camera's on him he looks like sid the sloth on edibles that is (laughs) yes i kept almost referring to him as rocky (laughs) yeah oh yeah no not the boxer but not the boxer you're talking about from mask Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eric Stoltz, Cher, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I love how Art just knew exactly oh, what I he meant exa- as, soon as soon as I said, said Rocky. Yeah. yeah. I would replace him with an actual child actor who knows what they're doing, uh, Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> the kid from Room and had a small part in Dr. Sleep and a bunch of other stuff. Because that kid actually knows how to communicate emotion and perform effectively without saying anything. Which this kid, again, had one look. Is that a cookie? So can't do it. As hateable as these children are, I still did not hate them nearly as much as Peter in Homeward Bound. I oh, you still... see, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you there. This movie had me missing Peter and just Homeward Bound in general. <laughs> oh, I shit. had a bad time in this movie. Seriously, like we're watching all our old childhood movies and I'm just, they're all terrible. They're so bad. Like we just, you know, had emotional attachments to them just because we were dumb kids. And I'm really worried that we're going to watch free willy and just find out that willy is a black white supremacist just, you know <laughs> yeah i remember this as a kid and uh, i guess my experience was that there was it was kind of adorable i recall like some documentaries on the special effects sort of cute and forgettable that's how i remembered it it's certainly forgettable yeah <laughs> Yeah, so this is based off of the book series by British author Lynn Reed Banks. I definitely read the books as a kid. Mm -hmm. That was my exposure as well. Uh, When I'd read them, there were only three. Apparently, one or two more had come out by the time the movie was made, but I only knew of the three. So my memory was kind of a mixture of all of them, so I wasn't sure what was just from the first book and what wasn't. (laughs) Other than the toys coming to life, gone to my head before rewatching the movie, I could not tell you what this movie is about actually having watched the movie i still can't (laughs) tell you what this movie is about because the movie lacks any meaningful stakes it's the story of jfk's presidential career (laughs) yes the story of one child who writes two reports that sound exactly the same and then this other kid is clearly Uh, writing a cry for help fiction and uh the the teachers just go with it so Written by Melissa Matheson, who wrote E.T. Huh. And you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, shit, I would have taken the kid who played Elliot at least. God, I mean, come on. So, Art, did you have any experience with this film before? I did not. I have heard of it, but only in the recesses of my mind. We did not read this book in school, nor did I watch this film as a child. So it was brand new to me. So I had no idea what the hell it was about, other than apparently there was a small Native American man in a cupboard. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I'm going to be drinking throughout this. Is everybody? Is anybody else drinking? Am I the only one? Oh, I might pour myself a whiskey during the break for for sure. I'm on coffee. Okay, good. Well, I'm just going to finish this bottle. Most people who drink, they have their glass of something. I'll just full on breaks out the bottle of wine and swigs like it's. <laughs> it already comes in a glass. Why dirty another one? Exactly. <laughs> so so true. But that uh, so that's my collective experience. I have no idea anything about this movie. Uh, I definitely had the VHS for this one I definitely watched it a lot as a kid and then better movies came along and I watched those and luckily those movies replaced this movie in my brain so I'm gonna have to probably drink some whiskey and get rid of this you know post podcast but yeah I this was one that was definitely in in the family collection and so this movie was directed by Yoda himself Frank fucking Frank Oz, Oz man Frank fucking <laughs> yeah. Oz who knows how good things are <laughs> right. made and he made this i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and say maybe the studio put their grubby little money wanting fingers all in it i got to i have to but then again he also cast hal in the role of of dead eyes so <laughs> i i don't know how much i trust i i, I resent my commentary he, he fucked up well, yeah but not only was it directed by frank oz it was produced by power producing couple frank marshall and kathleen kennedy they could have gotten fucking anybody for this movie and they got young Rocky. <laughs> As we know from recent years, Kathleen Kennedy can be inconsistent. She can be inconsistent, but like in the ni- 80s, 90s was her heyday. This was her at her best, and apparently her best wasn't good enough for the Indian in the cupboard. She phoned this one in. So did Frank Marshall. So did Frank Oz. Although what one thing I will give this movie, the miniaturization effects are incredible. They hold up very well. So well. This is pre-CGI. I mean, clearly there's a lot of blue screen involved here, but they did really well with these special effects. Yeah, there's one scene very, very late in the movie that has the worst blue screen effect in the entire movie, and I don't understand how. That's the one that they (laughs) shot last, and they ran out of money. It's that easy. (laughs) Yeah, clearly all the money went to the special effects, because it sure as shit did not go to the cast. No. So I want to ask, how did everybody watch? Because I watched a Blu-ray version, so it was in glorious 1080. Like, there was no room for error, so I was really watching clearly closely and I again I was shocked at a movie being almost 30 years old having the quality that it did. I just streamed it so pretty good quality definitely not like blu-ray or 4k anything like that but yeah decent quality yeah the effects were really good like I said I, I it's one of the things I remember is watching a documentary on the special effects about how incredible they were yeah I was very much impressed how much of them really really held up uh at least that does because the story and the acting do not uh <laughs> so what we're gonna do right now is take Take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to start breaking down the Indian in the cupboard. Hasn't he already been broken down enough? (laughs) Hey, John, you ready to record the first sketch? I'm going to have you play Little Bear for this one. Little Bear? I don't know, man. I mean, white guys doing a Native American character just uh, seems like poor taste. 
okay, don't worry about it. I kept the language very authentic to the movie. Not helping at all. All right, trust me. It's going to be great. Let's just let's just start from the top, all right? All right, fine. <clears throat> let's see. Wow, that heap big white child. Okay, no, this is already really offensive. No, 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 you're doing great. You're doing really good. Okay, but could you try it again with a Native American accent? Uh, absolutely not. Okay, the sketch only really works if you do the accent. Well, then the sketch isn't gonna work because I'm not doing the accent. <laughs> All right, fine. If you want to be like that, it's fine, fine. Let's just let's just move on to the next one. Let's let's keep going. All right, but this better get a lot cleaner real fast. Me smoke them peace pipe. Seriously, what the fuck, man? What the okay, fuck is dude, this? The movie, you know, you watch it, full of Native American stereotypes. I'm just leaning into that for the sketches. Well, lean on in, but I'm not doing this anymore. You're going to get us canceled. And these days, they can cancel you so hard, you literally disappear. Okay, that's ridiculous. You can't get canceled so hard, you literally disappear. Sup, dudes? Fuck, it's Coachella guy. Uh, Coachella guy, why are you wearing that Native American headdress? I'm just getting my outfit ready for Coachella, my dudes. Yeah, and guess what? You're gonna get canceled. <laughs> That's where you're wrong, my dude. Rich Wakas can't get canceled. Uh, but Coachella guy, you're not rich. You're just white. Oh shit, that's right. No. Told you. See what happens when you get canceled now. Wow, that was crazy, man. Anyways, well, so let's get back to the sketch. Uh, no. Screw your sketch. I'm done. Do it on your own if you want, but that's it. All right, fine. I will do it on my own. <gasps> and Nick did finish that sketch. He was banished to the ninth circle of cancelledness and forced to watch The Indian in the Cupboard until the end of time. Oh, God, it's so boring. What's with his eyes? How can you have an entire feature film with no stakes? (laughs) 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 And we're back, and the movie is going to start us off with some pretty intense music for the opening credits. And my first note here is, wow, who sat on these opening (laughs) credits? Because they are squished as all fuck. Like, the font is so narrow horizontally. This is such a weird choice. What made me chuckle was that it opens, you know, the first shot you see is the door of the cupboard but it lingers on it so long that i think is this movie opening with what having us watch paint dry is that literally what this movie is doing yeah are they you know are we gonna at least get some voiceover as we stare at this cupboard but no no it opens and we get our first of many shots of native american plastic figurines can i point out one thing that was annoying to me one thing well, the first thing, it opened the wrong direction. I mean, I didn't know this at the time until after I watched the movie, but it opens with the door swinging to the right when the cupboard opens to the left. So that's just sloppy filmmaking. Yeah. Very, very sloppy. Yeah, because it opens and then like there's a shadow that comes wipes across the screen indicating that it closes. And as it opens and closes, you just get like more and more Indian figurines as this diorama <laughs> starts, you know, being created. Yeah, this enormous diorama. Diorama of stereotypes. 
here's the thing. I couldn't tell you what's a stereotype and what's so little is my knowledge of Native Americans and or Indians, use your preferred term here. I, I don't know, but I'm assuming that a bunch of white people making a movie in the mid 90s, they're going to lean heavily into stereotype territory. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to crossfade with this diorama to an elementary school in New York City uh, where we meet Omri, our protagonist. <laughs> what the fuck is this name for a child? It was the name in I the think book. It's a biblical reference to some. It is. It it is the name of the the author's son as oh. well, and it is a biblical name. It's it's Hebrew, and it's something about like king or the firstborn or something like well, that. He is neither. <laughs> yeah, he is, he neither. is neither. As a matter of fact, the first thing we see our protagonist do is shove his mom off the top of some <laughs> stairs. And so goes goes the beginning of Lord Deadeyes. Yep. Just to prepare everyone, in this in this opening seven minutes, fuck all happens. Fuck all <laughs> happens. Oh, I had that for the first ninety-three minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. It's <laughs> true too. Uh, that 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 is the runtime of the film for the folks at home. But what happens is certain lines like, What did you do at school? And he says, Oh, nothing. And the mother just laughs like he cracked the best joke ever. And this kid gets absolutely it's just a lot of shit that doesn't matter. Yeah, it's the weirdest fucking dialogue. How was school? Fine. What'd yeah. you do? Nothing. Who's at home? Nobody. He asks who's home, and she says no one, and then we smash cut to his birthday party. <laughs> it was a charade. It was a charade. Maybe it was supposed to be a surprise party, but you never see the everyone jumps out and says surprise part? Nope. Hey, John, that's called editing for pacing. By the way, guys, I just want to throw out there, if I had shoved my mom off the top of <laughs> the stairs as a kid, I'd still be grounded. Still would be grounded. <laughs> So yeah, we're now at Omri's birthday party, uh, and we know his dad is a baby boomer because he is just fucking recording everything with a camcorder. This was my childhood, just being constantly filmed and recorded and photographed. I don't know about you guys. No, that that was the same. And I, I just want to mention that Richard Jenkins has not aged in almost 30 years. No, he has not. He has been the exact same guy. So I was yeah. more I was more distracted by the fact that this kid's brother is a madman. Yeah, Vincent <laughs> Kartheiser. He apparently came from this movie. This was his origin story. Wait, wait, the the, the oldest brother yeah. or the, the shithead? No, no, no. The the middle, yeah, the shithead. The rat bearing shithead, yeah. Yes. Although honestly, I, I was very sympathetic. As an older brother myself, I didn't consider him a bad He's guy. He's not really that bad. No, this is the nicest family I've ever seen, considering that it's all boys. <laughs> I, I call bullshit right off the bat that they are all getting along so amicably. Blah, 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 blah. I can speak. Hey, listeners. John here to apologize on behalf of a certain internet provider that had issues in the LA area while we were recording. There's occasional hiccups in the audio, but unfortunately, right here, we lost the part where Vincent Kartheiser gives Omri the eponymous cupboard as his birthday gift. You also get to miss out on our thoughts on how he probably found it in the trash because, honestly, how the hell is that a gift for a 10-year-old? Okay, dropping you back in. Uh, yeah, and also talking about these gifts, the older brother gives him a skeleton warrior's action figure. I couldn't uh, tell what it was, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I read the packaging. Skeleton warriors. Put a pin in the skeleton warrior's action figure. It is not the last time we're going to see it. And then he gets a skateboard. And Patrick, so his buddy Patrick is there. Patrick is 
OG Indian, as in like Indian from India, Indian, although he's American, I guess, first generation there with his mother somehow knows that his folks got him the good one in terms of the skateboard. Yeah. The skateboard is the good one, whatever that's supposed to mean. Oh, and it came with a helmet. Uh Safety first kids. This helmet is already tricked out with like stickers and absolutely no emotional value to these scenes at all. No. And that, that helmet's going to get his ass beat when he goes to the quote unquote skate park, which is actually not a skate park. It's actually a bunch of hoodlums, overtaking an area under an L train. And he doesn't even skate while he's there. No. no. But real quick, so we mentioned how the the kind of middle kid, it made sense that he just gave this shitty thing that he found, the the cupboard. Omri is way too excited about this fucking thing. Oh my God, is there a key for it? I don't know why Dead Eyes is excited about this. <laughs> Dead Eyes are rocky. That's what I got to start using. He's very excited about it. But here's the thing. There's no key. And the mama's like, don't worry. I've collected keys since I was a little girl, and that's because mom is a serial killer. I was going to say, finally, (laughs) mom's OCD has come home to roost and pay off. All that weird ticks and shit she she dealt with throughout her life. Must keep every key. Must keep every key. Must keep every key. Yeah, her and her epic key collection. I mean, it's it's a big old obsession. Who the hell wants a key more than anything else in the world when she's a kid? That was what she said. But actually, I want to I want to pause and say the collection is nowhere near as robust as a woman in her no. early 40s should be. She, Yeah, she literally has a key for every year. It's like eight keys. The point is, the movie acts like having this giant collection of ancient keys is normal, and no movie, it's not normal. No one has a big fat collection of old keys. Patrick's mom actually kind of calls out, she's like, you've got a key collection? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they uh they can't skateboard inside, so they go to some underpass and the older brother has to take them and the older brother skates while Omri and Patrick just sit around not actually skateboarding and as someone who asked for a skateboard as a kid and was too chicken to actually ride it I get it Omri I get it I am (laughs) with you on this but again there's absolutely no point to any of this I I, I don't know what the movie's trying to set up with the character here because it's never referred back to well for some reason it's just a continuation of the birthday scene because now Patrick gives his present the shittiest one of all yes he gives him a plastic figurine of a native it's an indian giving a white child an indian a native american indian figurine that it was made for five cents this is the shittiest little figurine and the yeah, it's not in a fuck- package or whatever this was this has been in a drawer for a while yes. there is no way and for some reason patrick's justification is i saw this and it just made me think of you what the fuck is this movie i saw this piece of garbage and i thought about our our meandering friendship <laughs> I saw this Native American figure and thought of you, my fucking boring suburban white child. Their friendship is so (laughs) contrived in its positive moments and negative moments throughout this movie that it boggles the mind. I just kept getting distracted by all the epic center part bowl cuts that are in this movie. It just... Look, hey, product of the times, we all did it. Okay. We all uh, had these. I didn't. My brother did that. I, ha- I have to say, one. it was when they're sitting here and he's getting this treasure of a gift that I first noticed that Dead Eyes has two watches. Oh, 
yes. To which I want to know, is that because he's keeping track of his business affairs in a different time zone? Does he need to know what's happening on the West Coast whilst, you know, knowing New York time or what? Yeah, at first I thought it was just like a watch and a few bracelets. It wasn't until much later in the movie I realized he actually has multiple watches on. So here's the thing. Given how he acts, given that he just doesn't react normally to situations, he just like shoves his mother or just ignores her. I'm going to point that out in a bit. Is he like uh, like neurodivergent or just like... He is the spectrum. He is the spectrum at, of all the spectrum at all times. Just... He has to be because he found the key in two tries. I mean, that takes on some Rain Man stuff right there. <laughs> he literally did that right. equation thing and saw the ridges and he's like, this will work. Yes, because now after this skateboarding scene, we're back home. Mom has dumped out all her skeleton keys because she only collects the creepiest of fucking keys. <laughs> I wrote here, you know, mom lays out a bunch of skeleton keys on Omri's bed from all the dungeons where she keeps her victims. It's accurate. <laughs> and then we get introduced to uh, the dad, you know, while he's sleeping kiss, which happens a couple of times in this movie and adds absolutely nothing. Uh, just adds creep factor. It's filler. Uh, it shows he's a caring parent. It, was, it shows he's a caring parent. Twice. You did jump quite a bit there. You did jump quite a bit there, yeah. Because basically, yeah, he finds the key that works. And the mother explains how she got this key from her grandmother, asked it for from her when she was dying as, like, her bequeathment from her grandmother. Please, Gam Gam, can I have this key whilst you transfer into the nether life? Who in the hell wants a key more than anything else in the world? That's not normal. Movie, this is not normal. This is not normal behavior. No. Maybe it's not normal for you, Julian. Maybe you got everything you ever wanted, okay? Maybe some of us a key is the best we can hope for. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, told her she wanted it more than anything in the world. This mother is also crazy. So then Dead Eyes poses a really weird question where he says, did I know her, your grandmother? <laughs> you would know if you knew her. <laughs> that was a weird question. That was weird. Maybe it was like, did I ever get to meet her? Maybe I was too young to remember. That sort of thing makes sense. But to say, did I know her? You would know that shit. Did I know her mother? Did I know your grandmother, mother? So then mom tosses the, the Indian figure and tells Omri to put it in the cupboard because otherwise we wouldn't have a plot. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, we found a key. What the fuck should we do with this? And she's like, here, put this guy in. Cool. Yeah, you know, store this piece of shit plastic toy. And then she says, Omri, let's read. And honestly, the mother is just as bad an actress or almost as bad an actress <laughs> as the kids. She didn't have much to work with. But... Like she said... <laughs> It wasn't given much yeah. to work with, but like a good actress would have done more with this less. And then they read Stuart Little, a probably a far better children's story. And we get this prolonged tracking shot towards the cupboard while Omri reads from Stuart Little because this movie needs to pad the fuck for some time. This is my Baywatch reference because I have to at least try in every episode. It's just the fact that every scene just keeps going god and they don't, don't know how to end a fucking scene that's that's what this and Baywatch or start them. amazing about that is this movie is relatively short yes so imagine it's just like the, yes. I, I would have wondered if they get in there like, much nothing is in this movie yeah they're like we have an hour and 15 minutes of content we got to figure out how to get it to that 96 minute sweet spot so let's uh let's go back and reshoot some extra long tracking shots but you're about to get to one yeah. of my favorite yeah. sequences so I'm gonna let you go ahead and describe it next okay so 
so now Omri's dad comes in and kisses his head while he's asleep. At least Omri has a caring dad. Not all of us had that growing up. And I know I like to bring depressing facts to this podcast. Nick, we don't need to hear about your absentee family. Okay, just keep moving with us. (laughs) Yeah, it's the pointless kissing of the forehead scenes. It's the stupid skylight subplot. I don't know what the fuck that was all about. Yeah, I don't know what skylights was about. Super excited about building a skylight. That connected me as as a viewer. Okay, that was the one thing I actually hooked on to in this film. And if you don't understand, you just don't get it, guys. You just don't Keys get it. and skylights. That's that's what gets arts, you know. As for anyone who's confused about why we're talking about a skylight, uh, Jules jumped ahead a little bit. Uh, this is a subplot that involves the older brothers, and we will be touching on it momentarily. So while after the dad kisses his head, Omri hears something coming from the cupboard. But he's super sleepy, so he'll deal with that in the morning. But does he deal with it in the morning? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he does deal with it. You're right. It's nice and lit up. Yeah. You see his eyes open. You hear the noise. And then he's just like, fuck that and goes back to sleep. You know what got me why why I forgot it was the morning is because that entire sequence of waking up to go check the cupboard was shot like a horror film. It was like the reveal of the puppet closet in Puppet Master. It was like the, the, the angle of the feet hitting the floor, the slow dolly shot, the approach. It's like it's building tension. Is somebody going to drop out? and pop his eyeballs with a fucking spoon or something? What's going to happen? But no, there's just a tiny Native American in there who's scared shitless. I love how he opens the cupboard and you don't see anything and neither does he, even though he should. Eye lines, yes. But yeah, he kind of turns it so the camera can see this little dude like, you know, tucked in a corner there because of course he's scared. He's been in this strange dark place for an entire fucking evening, suddenly gaining sentience. I love that he just turns the cabinet for the benefit of camera or slash the audience and nobody else. Who cares about realism in the world? Nope. Not this movie for damn sure. So yeah, so he's got a lot. So that uh, Native American figurine has come to life. It is a real Native American dude. And this is played by Lightfoot, who is a rapper, a Native American rapper. He was the first Native American rapper. Thank you very much. Yeah, he was apparently like rapping in Italy when he got the call. He was on tour or something. And they're like, hey, do you want to be in this movie that is the complete antithesis? about the things you rap for. Is there a paycheck involved? <laughs> I'm sorry, that is the worst excuse I've ever heard. Next time we have a record and I want to bug out, I'm saying, sorry, I'm rapping in Italy. Boom, that's solid. <laughs> I'll dig it. There we go. So I love that Lightfoot pulls a knife on Deadeyes, who then proceeds to try and pet him. <laughs> Yes, he, he puts his finger in. My response was, dude, don't poke the mini person. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and so this Native American, he pulls his knife out and the kid withdraws his finger and then puts his finger back in the cupboard and rightfully gets fucking stabbed in the finger. And he's like, ow, you exactly. stabbed me. I wanted to stab him. It was a very satisfying moment. Yeah. And then it's time to go to school. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing first <laughs> the indian calls him a demon because anybody oh, yeah, can yeah. speak english uh pin in that and then yeah it's time to go to school because uh that's way the fuck more interesting than tiny man in a cupboard we got to go to school now <laughs> so he locks the door and fucks off out of there and it cuts to the end of the school day where he's really about to shit his pants Right. No, he's so, he's like he's waiting for a hot date. I mean, I can't even get this. This is where it got really dark. He locked the cupboard, and the little person starved to death. And it was it was really dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has no idea what this is or how this works. 
as far as he knows, he just locked this tiny person in. And he's going to be in there all fucking This day. is a psychopath child. I just want to wonder, so let's think about the, the physio- physicality of these little people. So he's in there for clearly six to eight hours. So does he like piss in the corner? Does he have to poop? I mean, what were the considerations? Does he tell you like tiny size human dumps? They do not explain the bathroom habits of any of these mini people because yeah, they've got to go at some point. There's just like a steaming pile of like hamster <laughs> tiny, tiny little pile. No, but no, we just sort of get skated over. We see a quick cut of the kid <laughs> at school, you know, looking at the clock and busting his legs like he really needs to piss himself. And then we go right back to the closet and... Well, yeah, that's what I was saying when it was the end of the school day yeah, and he has to yeah. shit. We don't know this yet, but when he locked the thing to go to school, Lightfoot, Little Bear went back to his own time. He's a plastic figure again. But this kid sure as fuck doesn't know that. No, he doesn't. But he consciously said, okay, bye. Have fun in there. (laughs) Solitary confinement. Yep, okay, bye. And by the way, while he's at school and he's, you know, peeing himself waiting for the school day to end, he turns to his buddy Patrick and he says that he loves the Indian that he gave him. He's great. He's so yes. weird. To an actual Indian yes. kid. It's so and by fucking the way, weird. Is it just me? I'm going to say right now, no. <laughs> no, it's not no, just it's you. all of us, I'm sure. Okay, okay. Right. He looks like Thorny from Super Troopers. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's a mini Thorny from Super Troopers. And not just because they're both uh, Indian, they look strikingly no, similar. It's like the youthful version of Thorn. Thorny. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, okay, good, good. Cool. Wait, is this what he was doing before Super Troopers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's... No, the timeline does not work. Well. No, the, it doesn't work. Does not work out. Yeah, so after school... Five um, years, man, he really shot out. <laughs> yeah, so after school, he runs back to his room to play with his cupboard like a normal child. And he's disappointed to see that the Indian is a plastic figurine So again. disappointed that he says he becomes sick and tired. You know, not having yep. uh, godlike power over tiny sentient beings is exactly the kind of thing that would get me sick as a kid. Well, when you're a sociopath, absolutely. And here's the thing, like expressing disappointment. We talk about how the music would change the meaning of this movie. You cannot tell disappointment from his facial expressions. Thank fuck for the music to let me know what the mood <laughs> of this scene is supposed Again, to be. Again, dead eyes. <laughs> the music is desperately trying to make this lighthearted and upbeat wonderful et-esque kind of a movie and it's not it's not the the way it's shot and the way it's told just it's it's a horror film it's an existent it's an episode of black mirror that's absolutely what horrifying <laughs> you know the thing that i just want to say about him and the, the whole situation is this is such a fantastical you know experience that he's he's going through yet it doesn't face him at all now look i'm not saying that a movie like this should or ever would be clinical but i feel like there'd be a little bit more of a freak out <laughs> about the entire idea <laughs> that you put a toy in and now it's a fucking living being and how uh, this is this only reinforces the dead eye. That's all it does. It just reinforces the, is that a cookie? Attitude that I was mentioning before. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So now Omri is so upset that he can't eat his movie budget friendly dinner of spaghetti and meatballs. Yum. Like Julian was saying, he claims he's sick. So his mom takes him to bed. And why the shit are they talking about mealworms in this scene? <laughs> know the fucking idea yeah vincent kartheiser mentions to omri that his mealworms are dead it's like no they're not dead he's like no dude i know when mealworms are dead these are fucking dead they're in the larval stage no it's not the larval stage they can be restarted what 
the fuck I is this conversation? I didn't even hear this. Oh, shit. You have got to go back and just watch this one dinner scene. I'm going to do that while you guys are talking. The idea for this was supposed to be, I think, that it was supposed to be a coming of age thing that everything he's ever taken care of has died. <laughs> and so this is oh, an enlightening shit. story about how this guy doesn't kill a sentient Indian that he com- that he brings to life in his closet, in a cupboard. Even though he has a proven track record of killing living things. That's, oh God, this is a horror movie. Oh, and, and it gets worse, as we'll get to later. But you're right. I just heard the sequence and you're right. Because um, as he's walking up the stairs, I just want to say, this is a prelude to like some of my PETA concerns throughout this film. Because Oh, there are ball, many was literally four inches from being an issue. But yeah, this is the only time in a movie other than Hannibal, uh, Hannibal, Jesus Christ, other than Cannibal Holocaust where I'm like, excuse me, PETA, anybody? No, no, PETA's not anywhere yeah. else Yeah, we, we get our first look at um, Vincent Kartheiser's rat in a ball as Omri's mom takes him to bed because he's sick because his Indian friend left and him. And also bring him into your bed when he's sick because that's a great way to not- Not get sick yourself, yeah. So, yeah, in the age of COVID, so many (laughs) things that I will not be doing as an adult if I ever have kids that my parents did with me as a kid because holy shit. Yeah, so yeah, cut to Omri sleeping in his parents' bed while they watch TV and then his dad carries him back to his room and once again he is woken up by cupboard noises and the Indian is back. And he's pretty sure that this is just a dream, this little Indian. And we learn that he's an Iroquois man named Little Bear. So that's that's cool. And very quickly believes that Omri is the great spirit in the form of a white child. And I am now super uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, my only note here is um, that this is far too many close ups of the kid's face. Just. Just stop it, movie. Just stop. Seventy percent of this movie is close-ups of his. Yeah, face. Unfortunately, and every time they do, yeah. all I think is his eyes. If they're not, through the beady little deadness, <laughs> it looks like he wants to eat the little man. He's honestly <laughs> contemplating like Gargamel or whatever. Oh, it's like, can I God, feast yes. upon you? That's what's happening. So Omri turns the light on in his room, and this fucking blows little bear's mind. He's like, oh shit, you can like, you make the day. I remember this moment from the book, and Little Bear had a much bigger freak out. In this, he's just like, "Oh, you are the great spirit. You 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 control the light." Like Mm -hmm. he lost his shit, was freaking out, screaming, petrified in the fucking book. Yeah, and so we also learned that uh, Little Bear knows English because he was fighting with the English against the French in 1761, so he's taken part in the French and Indian War. And then Omri asks Little Bear to walk onto his hand, which he does. What the fuck? Insanely good effect. Insanely good effect on irrational decision. Incredibly irrational. Weird as fuck. But insanely good. And I'd also like to comment (laughs) that the English that was spoken in the 18th century, not the same kind of English we're talking today. No. Yet somehow... Everybody can understand each other. That's cool. But we 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 can go on. We don't have to harp on the little details. He said shell once, you know. Anyways, picks Little Bear up, and there's this, you know, supposed to be this moment of connection of like, are you real? You know? And it's completely undermined by Omri's dumb fucking face (laughs) 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 i was 
coming into this going, you know what? It's the kid's face. He can't help it. I'm not going to be that hard on him. And I don't have to be. Just take it away. No, look, the dumb face can be negated by acting. And he's not doing any yes, of it. No, no, I, I, he grins. No, he looks stupidly like he wants to eat whatever's in front of him. He does. I was afraid for little bear's life. I was yeah. like, oh, he's going to be a snack. Yeah, he's literally going to suck on him like a fucking chicken wing and spit off the bones. Uh, look, if he was 20 years older, I'd say he's looking at it wondering, can I fuck you or can I eat you? But no, he's a kid. So he's just wondering if he can eat him. That's all that's happening. Jesus Christ. Move on. All right, yeah, so Little Bear uh, asks Omri to send him back, which Omri respects because holding another human out of their home and time and place without their consent would be morally reprehensible. Just kidding. <laughs> he makes a plastic teepee reel so he can have a sleepover with his human plaything. That's what happens next. <laughs> yes. And his great ignorance on uh, the differences between different tribes and such. Presented with a teepee, Little Bear's like, the hell is I know, this? I just like, what is this? We actually build houses. What are you talking about? I was going to say, he sort of kicks it and he says, terrible. And yeah. uh, my note to this was uh, somehow the uh, director's reaction to the casting choice for the main character ended up in the final <laughs> script of this movie. Oh, rib shot. <laughs> he calls it terrible because it's plastic and he has to learn that word. Plastic. But, oh, it's not even plastic. plastic. He goes a plastic. He goes like plastic. Yeah. Plastic. And then Dead Eyes gets the idea to put it in the cover, and now it's a real TV. But Little Bear is again still like, the fuck, dude? He's like, I need to build a home. Give me some tools, some wood to work but, with. Wait, you're missing the fact that the cupboard is now essentially some sort of real-life replicator where you put in some bullshit version <laughs> and it'll make a real thing of it? <laughs> I mean, other than the exploration of what other action figures you could have in there, what sort of stuff could you do? And I'm not trying to be dirty and sexy with this, but what would happen if you put a dildo in there? I mean, like, would it just be a disembodied dick? I don't know. It's just, what is this magic? Or just, like, play food. You get, like, some little, like, shitty wax, like, lemons or something. Oh, my God. What if you put in a piece of broccoli? It would be like, it would be like sausage party, but real. It's existentially <laughs> terrifying, if you think about it too much. Yes, it, it is, is, Julie. Yes, yes, it is. The implications are, yeah, mm -hmm. they are terrifying. Like, what, you put some shitty Play-Doh thing you made as a kid in there, and it has to, like, live now? <laughs> it's like this weird... It's like something from the end of The Fly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or the clone in uh, in Alien Resurrection. Kill yeah. me! I shouldn't be! <laughs> <laughs> the spork in uh, Toy Story 4 were like... Oh, yeah, he becomes Forky. Yeah, now that he becomes Forky, he be he gains sentience the, and just freaks the fuck the out. He has no idea of what he is exactly. and where he is. This, this movie did yeah. come out the same year as Toy Story. Coincidence? Oh, I think yes. not. Yes, that is a coincidence. <laughs> there is no correlation whatsoever on this scatter plot graph. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Nick. Back to you. So anyway, so Amri, yeah, so Amri now turns out the light and sends Little Bear to his room. Uh, sends a grown ass man to his fucking teepee and little bear is now convinced that there's definitely some magic going on here. And immediately after sending little bear to his room, Omri grabs a bunch of fucking toys and puts them into the best scene in this movie. Yes. It was. He literally went full on Dr. Frankenstein and said, how much shit can I bring to life? And then he very quickly saw the price of it. <laughs> <laughs> the moment where I realized what movie I really need, and I think the universe needs this movie, is what happens on the top shelf it's the when top he opens shelf of the it. Cupboard. Darth Vader 
fights a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. Dinosaur. <laughs> Not just a Tyrannosaurus Rex, he fights a Jurassic Park Yes, he does. Tyrannosaurus this is the movie we deserve. <laughs> that is, honestly, that section was the trailer for the movie we've all been waiting for as kids of the 80s and 90s. But, the, but it's funny, though, because the, the, the sizes were all off, where Darth Vader was like half the size of the T-Rex. <laughs> It's, it was wonderful. Well, I mean, that's keeping it accurate to the toys I know, exactly. and whatever. Is, yeah. Yeah. The fact that he closes the cupboard after this and returns them to normal makes this kid irredeemable for the rest of time. Yeah, that's the movie I want to see. I want to see the Darth Vader in the cupboard. I want to see the fucking Robocop in the cupboard. Okay, so we know that Little Bear had his life, you know, fighting the... Uh, fuck, 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 fuck. The the French Indian War, you know, well, stuff like then that. He did. So it's a, I think no, now so he's walking his nephew through the woods, right? Well, no. So there's a, there's a bit of time travel involved, is what I'm saying. We know he has a oh, life yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. Dinosaurs were a thing. Star Wars was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. RoboCop is also. He's there. in the future, bro. He's in the future. This obviously <laughs> exactly. reaches to exactly. the future. And pulls him so back. It, it reaches both ways through time. Okay. Yes. And I just want to comment how to make sure on Robocop that. is the only one who decides to take action out of all that group where he points the gun and says, <laughs> hold where you are. Yeah. Yeah, because Robocop isn't a little bitch. That's right, Robocop is not a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Nick. Well played. So Aubrey closes the door, he turns the back Irredeemable. to toys, and uh, <laughs> yeah, he jumps back into bed and is scared, question mark. Again, I can't tell what emotion he's ever trying to express at any given moment. Cookie! That's the emotion. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and for, for listeners who might be worried about copyright infringement, um... <laughs> Yeah. By the way, the listeners are very worried about this. Yes, I know. In the cast credits at the end, Darth Vader, G.I. Joe, Robocop, you know, like all of these have like quotes around their names in the credits. <laughs> so it's air quotes Darth Vader. It's air quotes G.I. Joe. You know that Frank Oz got permission from Lucas to do this. I mean, he was his Yoda. It's been oh, yeah. forced if you would. Oh, oh, Kathleen Kennedy got that. I was going to say, Kennedy sure. totally was able to pull the, the anything Lucasfilm, she pulled the strings for sure. The same with yeah. Spielberg. Yeah, I think so. But Robocop, now that's something else. How do you get on per- Verhoeven's good side? I don't know. Uh, who knows? So anyways, uh, Lo- Little Bear is watching this all happening from his teepee, and he wakes Omri up the next morning by calling him Great Omri. And again, I am super fucking uncomfortable comfortable with this Native American man essentially worshipping a white child. And he wants Aubrey to do some more magic, especially to make him a white man's gun. Yeah, I, my reaction to this was, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, are we still in New York? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, are we still in New York? There are laws here, yeah, hey, little you bear. Need you gotta to, get a permit. There is due process, sir. Yeah, and Aubrey gives this a hard pass. He's not going to give him a white man's gun. Uh, then for some reason, little bear wants to meet King George. And I suppose because he fought on the English side of the French and Indian War. But Aubrey says he doesn't have any kings. So little bear asks Aubrey, who's clearly a giant child, asks him not only where his fire is, but where his wife is. Asks a fucking obvious child where his wife is. And, you know, dude, you know this. Anyways. So then we also learn that Little Bear's wife died. He had a wife, but she died. It's all very sad. And then Little Bear says he's decided that he's going to stay as if it was ever up to him. Exactly. 
I think he's just trying to take some sort of power in this situation. That's all he's got, because otherwise he could be manhandled and put back in the cupboard. But yeah, he'll say, you know what? I got my knife and I'll cut you again, bitch. And then he notices that there's an outside to this giant space he's in, and he asks Omri to take him outside. So Omri does so. And this uh, taking outside is sponsored by Lego. It is sponsored by Lego. Not the good Lego, like the shitty little little box of Lego. I, I, I have to gripe again on continuity issues, just because these things bother me. Oh, please. Uh, sorry, as you can hear, I'm now starting my second bottle of wine. But I like how in the morning he's going to climb down. So he checks the stability of the cord that climbed down. Well, all I'm wondering is then how did he get up there? Why would you need to check the stability of the light, the lamp cord? Because that's clearly how he climbed up. But yet he does it in the morning. I don't know. It's just it's a detail. Who the fuck knows? Well, certainly not the authors or the writers. That's who does not know. Yeah. So Little Bear gets let out in Omri's family's backyard. And it's like giant. It's how do I shrunk the kids land, essentially. And his line when he comes out of the box is, this is the same where I live. And no, dude, I guarantee you there aren't giant <laughs> butterflies and dandelions where you live. I will put fucking money on this. Yeah. You do not see mulch chips the size of your thigh. No, thank you, sir. Anybody else <laughs> oh, scared for a giant fucking scorpion to come through and just wreck his shit? I had I had traumatic flashbacks to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids during these sequences. <laughs> Absolutely. I was just thinking after he said the line that he's actually from Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> just shrink and grow all the time. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would pay for a, smoke, a, hook, a hookah smoking caterpillar to show up and make this fucking movie interesting. God, I would pay so much money. So Omri hears a dog barking and puts Little Bear back in his box, puts the box on the steps back up to the house and decides to grab a flower bed, a Smucker's jam jar, jelly jar uh, that just happens to be out there by the gardening tools for whatever reason and puts some random twig shit in the flower bed. And then we hear a bird attacking Little Bear and he shoes it off because we need some sort of momentary danger to distract from the fact that this movie has no goddamn stakes. <laughs> None. There are no fucking stakes in this movie. Never at all any point. All these animal attacks are off camera because, you know, they put all the CGI budget into those mm -hmm. other sequences. Yeah, if for the cautious viewers or the very eagle-eyed ones, they'll see that the pigeon in question is actually standing on top of the box very, very calmly when the kid runs around. <laughs> so movie magic right there, kids. Yeah, like the attack eagle noises that they use to apply danger are like fucking well overblown. That's just even more culturally insensitive because anytime there's a Native American, why do people, though especially white people, feel compelled to have to include an eagle's cry? I don't understand, but we do. Because the great spirit is with them. Which, as covered, I believe, in Homeward Bound, the eagle cry in movies is not even what an eagle fucking sounds like. It's what America sounds like, goddammit. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a little falcon or maybe a hawk. I, I can never remember properly, but it's not a fucking eagle. Well, of course you wouldn't, you communist. Anyway, go on, Nick. No, I'm American. I know my eagle. They chirp. <laughs> on to bottle number two. I love how somehow that's the funniest thing I've said this whole goddamn time. <laughs> After a bottle of red wine, it certainly is the funniest thing I've heard you say. I just love the idea that that powerful symbol of America... It chirped. <laughs> no, that's that's you being such a chicken, Mark. <laughs> okay, different movie. Different movie. 
All right, we got to get back. We got to focus up. Get back on track. We got to get back to World War One. Oh God, yes, please. Yes, we're getting to World War One. We're getting right. to World War One. So back in Omri's room, uh, we see that little bear has been hurt. He asks for husks so that he can stop the bleeding. However, Omri goes and checks, and there are no husks in the medicine cabinet. As they, as they very well <laughs> might have been. Who knows? So, so he grabs a Steve Coogan. He grabs a Steve. He grabs Coogan. Steve fucking Coogan. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. I. Just imagine, like, if he took a Band-Aid and tried to give it to Little Bear, how if he ever tried to take that Band-Aid off, it would just tear his fucking... It would just pull off off a bunch of skin. (laughs) Yes. He would just flay him. (laughs) Oh, yes. And Steve Coogan, which, as I I was wondering, were those his real teeth? Because they felt so accentuated compared to later Steve Coogan that I was just like, I feel like they're making fun of people here they might be so here's the thing they get their steve coogan he gets his steve coogan from his older brother's room he sneaks in takes a box from vincent kartheiser when they're not in there and also a magnifying glass because he'll need that to torture small animals for reasons yeah reasons. <laughs> or to perhaps set parts of a human being on fire later Not we too. Don't know. We'll see. Yeah. also i'd like to know why does the youngest brother get to have his own room and the older brothers have to share one? Oh, that's a great fucking point dude yes. the two older brothers are like sharing a dorm with no yeah, skylight i mean like animals i say but it turns out they're sharing like the attic room and so you know they're just getting high up there all the fucking that's true <laughs> maybe that's it and stop repeating Eating skylight. It was a pointless, stupid thing in this movie, and we should give it absolutely no more attention. Skylight deserves all the attention, which Julian mentioned earlier. Now we've come home to roost, right? It is literally the B plot of this movie. Yes. There's usually romance in this movie. It is Skylight. He gets a World War One sold uh, medic from his brother. Like, yeah, Julian's just trying to ignore the Skylight. He's, He's trying to move this. So here's the here's the yeah. So he gets this like World War One soldier figure, which by the way has no medical insignia on this figurine at all. He's got a, a cross. It I thought didn't be, he? Didn't he have a cross on him? I thought he had a cross. No, not in figurine form. Figurine when, form. When this he comes just, alive. Yeah, when yeah. he comes alive, but oh. this figurine is just a regular World War One soldier. He rolled the fucking dice and got really <laughs> goddamn lucky that this one just happened to be a medic. Right. And so, of course, its name is Tommy. Well, I thought it was actually kind of fun. I like Steve Coogan, and it, it was kind of fun. There was some uh, there was some moments where even, you know, shedding some light on the horrors of World War One. Oh, yeah. But he does say one line. And I've lived in England for 22, 23 years before I moved to LA. I have never heard anyone say the phrase, I'll be jiggered. This is a note to what Art was saying of over time, language evolves. Yes. But he says, I'll be jiggered. You're a bloomin' injun. As an I-N-J-U-N. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's... And he does a lot of the raise your hand and say how. Steve Coogan does. Little Bear is perplexed. How? Fuck, man. <laughs> what? How what? What are you asking me? I speak English. Just Yeah, he, he does not get it. <laughs> yeah, Steve Coogan is like, he's like, oh my God, you know, I've heard some, you know, cowboys and Indians and whatnot. And, you know, all the, the, the tropes. And I think they're making fun of his ignorance. But at the same time, it is super fucking super uncomfortable to listen to. It was a little awkward. Yeah, it's Especially bad. having Steve Coogan say those lines. But hey, at least he bandages up Little Bear's legs. Super nice. And he's just convinced this is all a dream and just runs with it. Yeah, he's like, cool, yeah. super lucid dream. That's Steve Coogan's way of dealing with this existential cri- 
crisis, he's like, oh, must have fallen asleep in the trenches. Trauma. Shell shock. Yep. So now after fixing up little bear's leg, it's time for him to go back, even though there's artillery shells and German bullets. He's willingly sending him back to the fresh hell that is World War One. Yes. (laughs) He's willingly like, oh, you had a terrible time. Here you go. Existentially terrifying. Right. And, and like morally, like it brings up the question, is it immoral to send Tommy back to his certain fucking doom in the trenches of World War One? But Little Bear, you were out with your nephew so he could be on his vision quest going through the forest. But fuck it. You're staying here with me. Yeah. Your, your nephew will figure <laughs> it out. He would have had to have run up and brought all of those World War One soldiers out of it because that must have been a perpetual nightmare. But what if he would have done that? Then, my God, they would have won. And who? what would the world be like? Does that mean... The future, Marty! The, the time to save the future. <laughs> I know! How does this even work with time travel? Does this mean it's fucking up our own past? Or is this another past? Is this a miniature past? I don't even understand. It's... Oh, God, we are way overthinking this, guys. <laughs> um, Owen Wilson will go and trim out who whoever uh you know whatever shouldn't happen so it's okay no one else watched loki okay no i no 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 all right let's get back to swedish mom coming in and catching him with his uh junk in the drawer yeah so he turns tommy back into a regular toy and the mom comes in and asks how he's feeling so this is like early morning apparently he got up really early and did all this shit yeah and now he finally decides to feed little bear right and he's like oh by the way do you want anything to eat yeah now do you want anything to eat but like but when his mom comes in the mom's like how are you feeling and his exact line is i feel pretty damn good and if i had fucking (laughs) sworn at that age to my mother again I would still be grounded. <laughs> still would be grounded. Yep. Yep. Because his mom just is a fucking doormat. I was going to say, his mother's clearly in a very, very toxic relationship with most people in this house. Yeah. She is absolutely a fucking doormat for all people. And so he tells Longbear he can build his longhouse in the flower bed. That's why he brought it up. So yeah, he finally offers him breakfast, goes down, and asks his mom for granola for breakfast, to which she asks, have I died and gone to heaven? Implying, like, my child wants to eat health food for breakfast? Yeah, but his posture, his body language... Oh, his demeanor looks like he's farting. He's just sitting like, look at me. It's like the worst lie... This is actually the only acting he's done in the entire movie is I'm gonna pretend he is depressed as fuck when he's asking for granola (laughs) he's just got this like Oh. But he's doing these eye rolls as if he's trying to hide something and he does not come across as deceptive. He comes across as he found the white powder in mommy's dresser. Yeah, he's just like, mom, <laughs> where did I come from? And is this the reason? <laughs> Fucking dead eyes. Then here's the thing. He randomly goes down to grab some shit out of the basement before returning with granola for his human pet. that's a very astute way of putting it it is his human pet absolutely yes it is he he got himself a fucking pet he just happens to be a native american from 1761 it's weird and yeah this is he also gives him a hatchet by like stealing it from a knight toy that he has he like puts it in the cupboard oh that poor knight he's just like yo bro that knight looked so pissed off he was in the midst of a battle and then he's been disarmed and sent back to whatever the fuck he was doing he is he's so fucked he's so fucked (laughs) 
I mean, the, the you would see it for this flash of a moment. I have to, you know what? Out of all the actors in this entire movie, the guy who played the knight has the best reaction. Absolutely. Of, <laughs> the, the thing is taken from his hand and he's just like, wait, 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 what? And then all of a sudden, boom, he's back to toy. It's the ultimate what the fuck, basically, is what the yes. <laughs> So yeah. give that stuntman slash extra yeah. a bonus. Fucking royalties. And this is where I was wondering where Little Bear goes to the bathroom. But, you know, neither apparently little people don't poop. I'm sure he buries it now that he has his own plot. So it's OK. Yeah, he's like he's like a cat with a litter box. Yeah, he goes to a corner of the flower bed. So now we're at school and it's time for kids to read their dumbass Jesus reports to each Christ. other. Yes. Speaking of things that don't fucking pay off. <laughs> the teacher asks verbally who wants to go first, but he also does it in sign language. And this will never matter. I did not understand that at all. I thought that it was honestly when he did that, <laughs> I thought it was a sign language class. He says, who wants to go first? And I was like, great, this is going to be a sign language class. Nope, it's a fucking regular old composition English class. And then you never see the sign language again. Nope. I did enjoy the fact that the little girl was a comic book nerd. That that was a pleasant surprise. But then, of course, it was ruined by the JFK presentation, which we're about to get to. <laughs> Yes, this is what John was ranting about at the top of the episode. Yeah, so Omri is telling little bits of what's actually been happening. He's just putting a, a little shift on it. And the teacher's like, this is a very nice story that you're writing. And then there's another kid who's doing a history report on John F. Kennedy for some goddamn and reason. And one that's very one-sided, lacked evidence. It's it's a very bad teaching. <laughs> Yeah, so here's the thing about this JFK game. This kid's like, JFK was a president, blah, 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 like that report. Yes, at that level. He did not write this fucking report. His weirdo parents, who are super into <laughs> JFK, wrote this report for him and made him read it to his classmates in school because they thought that the schools were not teaching enough history. One sentence at a time. That's all he got. Yeah, it sounds very much like 10-year-old writing. Yes. John F. JFK was one of our youngest presidents. JFK was in lived in Massachusetts. JFK did blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like They clearly showed him the 1991 Oliver Stone magnum opus, JFK. And they said, go tell the truth. And they sent him to school. That was it. <laughs> yes. John F. Kennedy was president. Kevin Costner investigated his murder. He was killed by the government. There was no magic bullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Omri talks about his you know thing literally what's happening the only tension the only stakes in this movie are that Omri's trying to keep the existence of Little Bear and eventually other small people away from the adults but he comes to school and fucking snitches on himself why is that stakes we're trying here Julian we're trying you see I understand with E.T. there were stakes the government was going to take E.T. away and probably experiment on him but in this movie there are no stakes to the adults finding out. I've, I've got this. I've got this. Okay. You ready? All right, John, I'll hold your beer. Go ahead. Because reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Go fuck yourself. I am waiting for your book on philosophy, John. I am the first person who's going to purchase reasons, it. Reasons. That's why. The reason is shut your face, Julia. <laughs> America. Race tensions. <laughs> 
So while Omri's giving this report, Patrick like leans forward and gives him a what the fuck look. Yes, Patrick has amazing lean into frame game. Right here. <laughs> that was this is the best child acting we're gonna get this whole movie. Yes, very well done on Patrick's part. I must say, just that. <sighs> Just that subtle, I think you're telling the fucking truth here. What the? Yeah. Oh, my God. So then Omri steals an Indian figure from the school diorama. Um, So that thing we saw in the opening credits is a thing in this school, apparently. And he replaces it with the skeleton warrior figurine that he got from his brother. Fucking why? It, it does not make any sense. Other than tradesies. That's literally the only thing, because if he's trying to cover his tracks, he's better off to leave nothing behind. Exactly. I didn't yeah. never understood that. But here's the thing. When I was a kid, I thought this shit was hilarious. I thought <laughs> this was like the humor in this movie. Little me was a <laughs> dumbass because this is fucking it's stupid. It's like, oh, this wow. is the Abbott and Costello portion. And then, uh, you know, 30 years later, you're like, no, this is really dumb. <laughs> this is really dumb. Yeah, there's oh like 50 God. figurines here. Nobody's going to miss one. Yep. So back home, a little bear is building his longhouse and singing. There is a little note I have here. Again, I note that who the fuck cares about the fucking skylight again? <laughs> <laughs> right, because while he's building his longhouse, the dad is building the skylight in the older brother's room. Why do these scenes exist? Yeah, you're right. There's no reason to cut away to show that. Honestly, you could snip out everything about the skylight and the story wouldn't suffer. So that the rest of the family doesn't wonder why there's construction noises coming from somewhere else. <laughs> yes, Little Bear is incredibly loud when he's hemming and hawing, that's for sure. But not loud enough to over to outdo skylight installation <laughs> not by the hand of richard jenkins that's for sure an elaborate way to cover his tiny singing voice that was the whole reason for that stupid fucking subplot yes i am declaring it to be so oh. yes that is valid just shoot me in the head with a white man's gun right now <laughs> okay <laughs> and that's right. why julian's a writer nailed it i will take oh. you up on that offer this is America, Jules. That offer can be made. That can be taken up any fucking time. <laughs> Wait a minute. We're in California. It's a little hard. Yeah, it's like marginally harder. Let's not let's not kid ourselves here. All right, fine. You're right. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Aubrey comes home to find that the longhouse is finished and shows Little Bear that he's brought another figure for its bow and arrow. That's the reason why I stole the figure. He wants a bow and he wants to give a bow and arrow to Little Bear. Oh man, this shit gets dark real quick. And even more existential crisis. Oh god. Yes, because he puts the the new Indian figurine to the cupboard, opens it up. It's a really fucking old dude. He yoinks his bow and arrow away and this old dude just straight up dies of a heart attack yep and here we have a young boy whose first experience with death is this tiny little person that he for all intents and purposes of this narrative brought to life slash kidnapped slash kidnapped uh, look he's not thinking about it that deeply <laughs> in his eyes well we are uh, we are yes but in his eyes he's like i am god i made this little creature here he is he's dead and then he's gonna start freaking out like a little bitch and then you know that's when um lightfoot figures the shit out or a little bear figures the shit out he's like man you are just a kid aren't you yeah 
He does. See, this is an important fucking lesson that is lost because of fucking dead eyes. Fucking dead eyes and like the weird the racial insensitivity of it all. And yeah, so Long Bear realizes that Ari is like scared of this dead guy. He's actually just a child, not a god in the form of a child. And this is where we learn that before he was yoinked from his timeline, Little Bear was guiding his nephew through the forest to do a manhood slash survival ritual. So it's like, dude, why are you fucking around with this Omri kid? Insist at all times to go back so you can be there for your fucking nephew. Yeah, that is the other side of the coin. You're right. I hadn't considered that because he's telling the he's telling Dead Eyes that look, there's a consequence to the what you're doing, but he doesn't choose to act on it. And so he's like, but I'm cool. I'm sure the kid's all right. I mean, you got a bow and arrow now. What more do you want? <laughs> I got my shiny new toy. Fuck that old dude. He's dead. By the way, in uh, the book, Little Bear asks for whiskey or specifically fire water. Oh my God. Are oh. you serious? Because I thought that was just Boone that asked for that. No, no. He, he asked for fire water. And uh, when it was the very first, like, what do I get in dinner? He doesn't know what that's even supposed to mean, but he imagines something that would kind of burn a bit. So he brings him some Coca-Cola. Wow. Okay. So first of all, I have to say then, actually, the racial tensions have been tampered down quite a bit for this movie <laughs> from its source material. Because apparently this author went full tilt boogie like, how basic can I get in my portrayal of Native Americans? So here's the thing. Yeah, this book, the actual book series was protested by a lot of Native American yes, organizations. It was. And I'm getting why. <laughs> As will become apparent very soon. So Little Bear says, you should not play with magic you do not understand, which is absolutely fucking correct. And Omri learned a valuable lesson and sent him home, and now we're done with only a half hour into this shit fest. Remarkably quick. Yeah. Yeah. And abrupt. This is a beautiful short film. <laughs> yeah, this movie could end at any fucking time, and it chooses not to for goddamn runtime. Uh, I need to lean in to Julian on this one here. I'm, I'm going to have my frustrations. So the one big note that I actually wrote in the margins of my notes was, what is the deal with these saw blades? I know it's apparently for this fucking skylight, but when did he ever mention an issue with them? Because it becomes, in the next segment we're about to talk about, such a pivotal focus point. When did it become so important? <laughs> it's it's stupid. There is no dad conflict. These dad scenes are completely unnecessary. You could cut them entirely out of the film and it stands. I mean, it's still terrible, but it stands. <laughs> it's Richard Jenkins, sir. It's two-time Oscar nominee Richard Jenkins. How dare you? No, I love him as an actor. I don't know what scene you're talking about. My memory has cut it out. I don't have notes. I don't have this scene at all. John is watching the director's director's uh, lucky cut. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah, so basically Omri's dad calls him, and he just leaves a fucking dead dude in his room. <laughs> well, he turns it back to a toy first. Okay, I did not remember seeing that, so in he my did. mind, he just left it's the not, dead dude in his room. Corpse. He turns him into a toy because he can't handle the shit. <laughs> Why are you acting like it's weird to not leave corpses in your bedroom? I thought I thought that was a normal he part of childhood. about it, can't figure out where that smell's coming from. It's a very faint <laughs> smell. It's a little sticky sweet. You're not quite sure. It could be an old sock or a uh, cigar. You don't know. Comes back and there's just tiny rigor mortis going on. <laughs> tiny rigor mortis. That happens when you die, don't you know? He very tiny shits himself. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to the tiny poops. 
<laughs> oh, this is so much fun after you've had a bottle and a half of wine. Keep going. This is good. Okay. Yeah, well, it's about to get less fun because Omri's dad wants to know where Omri put his saw blades. Fucking what? Right? What saw has replacement blades? How? I do not even remember this scene. Holy shit. You didn't miss much, buddy. I think the idea is he gave it to uh, he gave it to Little Bear to help on his construction of his little house. Bullshit, did he? Because he gave him a fucking axe. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's got a hatchet. Well, in his hands, it's an axe. Well, he's got a hatchet, but like he went down to the basement to get something, and I guess he got him the saw blades. The fuck? Well, let's let's get let's skate past the stupid mugging scene. So basically, Omri lies, says he buried his dad's fucking saw blades. Dad doesn't push back on this. Like, why the fuck are you burying my saw blades? That- Again, pushes my whole he's neurodivergent theory and they're just being very patient with him. I've never heard that phrase, by the way. I just want to give you credit for teaching me something new, Nick. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. It replaces a lot of very nasty previous words that uh, we might have previously used. Can you say them on this show just so I can hear what they are? So basically, Dad says it's fine. They'll just go to the hardware store. They'll get some more. And Omri's like, no, I'm going to go to the hardware store by myself because I'm not a baby anymore. He's like, I've already been. Like, you just didn't know about it. Again, Dad's not like, why the fuck are you running chores in New York City by yourself? And through apparently a bad part of get- town at that. <laughs> And apparently a bad Holy one. Guys, shit. I, I was How his did I blink this? I don't know, dude. dude it also was... has one of the most beautiful shots of the Twin Towers <laughs> in the whole fucking it's movie. True, you it don't does. remember it this? Does. They loom. But guys, I have to say this. I was a child in New York City at around this age. I was not allowed to fucking leave the front door of my apartment, let alone the goddamn building, let alone go to a fucking hardware store on the corner by myself. Ah, but but did you bury saw blades? Ah, ah, ah. That I should have done. I should have tried doing that. I should have tried doing that. So yeah, so dad gives him cash, sends him on his way to go through the fucking ghetto, apparently, because there's just lots of black men just sitting on the sidewalk reading newspapers. Can we get to the stupid mugging? Julian has a boner for this mugging. Let's just go ahead and buy the saw blades. Want to get it over with. the dead body up. Yeah, he buys the saw blades, comes outside, and a kid with a fucking the worst mohawk. Like, not even a mohawk. It's too thick. But yeah, sure, we'll call it that. Like, yeah, just the sides of his head's shaved, and he basically mugs Omri. Doesn't take his shitty blades. He's like, what the fuck is this shit? Just give me the money. Takes his money, runs away, and Omri yells at him, you don't deserve that hair. (laughs) What in the actual (laughs) fuck does that mean? I don't know. Yes, tell Macklemore Jr. you don't deserve that Native American white man-inspired hair. Correct. And then he cries into his bag of saw blades because his fucking spare change got took. His 83 cents was yanked from his precious little dead eye hands. And now he has to go home and then explain it. Oh, but don't worry. Before he goes home, who's there to save the day? Patrick. Patrick comes out of nowhere. Doesn't ask Omri how he's doing, by the way, because he's clearly upset. He's like, hey, by the way, I got you a cowboy to go with your Indian. Why am I here? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, my note for this is, uh, it, wouldn't that be the equivalent as of, you know, I, I got a Nazi to go with your Jew? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> yes. You know what? Yes. Look, look, look. In our enlightened stage, yes, you were 100% right. But 
How much did we know at this age? We didn't know shit from Shinola. And this time, it was it, he's doing what he thinks is best. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying I get it because he doesn't know any better. I mean, Christ, look at the movie they watch later. So he's bringing him somebody who's like, oh, this is going to be a fun little play pal for your, for your guy. Point. And then, Point. But this is part of the bigger fucking issue. Yes. Where Deadeye just ruins the message. That what we think and perceive is not analogous to the reality and that there's actual stakes at shit that are at hand and Yet. whatever. Fucking. <laughs> I hate Patrick's fucking guts. I really, really hate this character. Oh, dude. It, later, when it comes to like when it comes to bringing Boone to life. Oh, I, I'm about to lose my shit. Oh, yeah. I We're about to hate him soon. So his mom is also there. So mom and Patrick walk Omri home. Omri go immediately goes upstairs without Patrick, by the way. It's just like later, my friend who's in my house. I'm just going to go fuck off upstairs right now. Uh, and then he sees his older brothers admiring the longhouse, tells them to get out. And Vincent. Yeah, this Card- is where I came back in. I saw this. <laughs> yeah, Vincent Cardizer, you know, very rightfully calls Omri out for having fucking stolen his toys and his magnifying glass. And it's actually very surprisingly cool about when Omri gets all uppity about this shit he's like hey man you stole my shit like just be fucking cool i'm admiring this longhouse like i and I, I what does dead eyes this. do which is equal in turn he drop kicks the rat in a bowl dude this this is the moment where i was like where the fuck is Peta?" i actually called this because they were like you you took my stuff where's my rat ball and it's sitting right there next to omri and i'm just like it's not like a gentle kick he full-on cristiano ronaldo's free kicks it like it bounces all the way down the stairs it spins over and over again yeah when i was thinking kick it it was kick it get it out of the room it fucking flies like around this whole goddamn house i don't understand why he did that it it, uh, this is like all jokes aside it was such a dick bag move to do that yeah it's a rat but it's your brother's fucking pet he did it what are you doing the reason he did it was to distract him or to get him out but the way he does it is full-on aggressive. Like I said, he full-on Cristiano Ronaldo free kicks this rat. It bounces several which ways, ends up spinning in circles like two floors below. Yeah, it's like a gyroscope adventure for a, ner- for a NASA scientist. And also, by the way, Vincent Kartheiser is like way too cool about the rat getting kid. He's like, well, well, I guess I'll leave the room now. Let's go older. Has anybody with a big brother ever fucked with their big brother's shit and the big brother's like, well, I guess that's what it is instead of flatly no. kicking the Christ no. out of that kid. His ass is gross. Yep. Yeah. He yeah, would have ground him in the fucking bad. carpet like he's a piece of dog poo. But no. So anyways, older brothers leave. Omri and Patrick find Little Bear hiding under the radiator with his bow and arrow. Little Bear asks to be sent back, but Omri doesn't want to because, you know, he wants his buddy to meet him. That's 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 important right now. And let's bring in cockball fucking Patrick. Yep. And oh, by the way, he also refers to Patrick as another great spirit. And Omri promises that he won't bring any more men to life. He makes this promise to Little Bear, pinning that. Um, <laughs> explains to Patrick how the cupboard works and that the people brought to life are yeah, real. Yeah, so divulges the whole damn thing. Hey, let's explain the pot, plot here, guys. Right, but then he gets called away and he's like, Patrick, don't do it. I just granted you the power of the universe. 
don't touch. Pandora, here's your box. Hmm. Yeah, Pandora, here's a box. <laughs> Patrick's like, don't worry, I definitely won't fucking use your cupboard while you go talk to your dad, swearsies. <laughs> Waits literally five <laughs> seconds after Omri leaves the room to start fucking with the cupboard. Well, the mom's saying something about how, it's something about like the smart ones always make up their own mind or something like that. And they're like, oh, well, Patrick is just defiant about everything. And this is where the second piece of acting for Omri comes in. Because he does have a little bit of an oh shit moment. If Patrick's defiant about everything, by the way, this is your friend. How do you not know this about his character? And so he runs back upstairs because holy shit. He's going to fuck with the cupboard. Yep. So he gives this dad his blades and I don't know, some bullshit happens. Nothing matters. Runs back in and finds Patrick locking the cupboard with the cowboy figurine inside. He's like, Patrick, no. And Patrick's like, yes, fuck you, Patrick, you <laughs> asshole little brat. And out jumps a cowboy on his horse, leaping from the cupboard. Uh, he gets flung off the dresser, but Omri somehow manages to catch him before he hits the ground. This is no different than if he'd hit the ground. Well, the, the flesh is a little bit squishier. He is so small. He has such little mass. He's not really going to take much of a hit from this. And I don't know. I feel like the squish of the, the palm would have been a little bit easier than the... the unforgiving Omri hardness. literally catches him like Omri's hand is on the floor yeah he did not have that much further to go can we get a physicist on this episode can we put a pause and call someone from Harvard or <laughs> yeah we need to phone a friend what I want to get to is JFK went to Harvard <laughs> what I want to JFK get to JFK went to Harvard have I ever talked about my schooling what I want to get to is the first thing this cowboy does which is so in character all right get uh, yes let's get to the racism now the shall first we first thing the cowboy does yes. is shoot the closest ethnic person which is Patrick. <laughs> yeah, he shoots the brown kid. Yeah, he shoots the brown kid right in the face. He hits him right and, in the cheek. And Patrick's like, he shot me. He shot me. By the way, both these boy actors are so goddamn squeaky. I don't know if we were that squeaky at <laughs> that age, but they are some squeaky Again, we motherfuckers. had testicles. They were still up in her perineum at that probably. point. Probably. We probably were then. That's right. We were not mature men. So Omri pulls the bullet out of Patrick's cheek, but I didn't see any blood. Like, what the fuck well, is no, he Well, no, it's just out? a tiny little speck that got buried in the flesh because it's not going to penetrate. It's just stuck there like a, a blackhead or something, you know? And so Omri, for some reason, asks Patrick's permission if they can send the cowboy back. And Patrick's like, I want him, Omri. Creepiest yeah. line ever. And this Fuck was the beginning of kid. me hating how just how reprehensible his his worldview was of his desire yes. for ownership. I don't know. It was just not cool. Oh, yeah. Patrick is. Patrick is the worst. The worst. Let me tell the you, you worst. can't get through this movie without saying, fuck this kid every like two seconds. It's <laughs> just every yeah. time. So, yeah, um, we learned that the, the cowboy's name is Boone and he's a bit of a crybaby. Like all this whole thing is overwhelming. Hey, so he starts hey, crying. Hey. He's a cowboy with a heart. OK, let's let's fucking give credit where credit's due. Jesus. Actually, I enjoyed this alpha alpha male alpha male expression expressing his emotions yeah. was kind of sweet we'll see just how much of a heart he actually has though hey john slow your roll i just like that he's weeping while he's rolling a cigar or cigarette oh yeah casual smoking yeah. is casual <laughs> oh and by the way he's uh yeah his friends apparently call him boohoo boon because of you know because all anything. his friends are bullies which is best 
Yeah. Such wonderful friends that Boone has. <laughs> so Patrick's mom calls him and he makes Omri promise that he'll bring the cowboy to school tomorrow. Because, yeah, you're really good at keeping fucking promises, Patrick. This Omri guy fucking owes you anything. Jesus Christ. To which Omri promises and Patrick just won't leave. They do the bye, Patrick, and he pops back in the doorway, forcing it open like five more goddamn times. <laughs> I hate this kid. Yeah. He's like, oh, but yeah, by the way, don't put them together because, you know, out cowboys and Indians. And Omri's like, duh. Which is also the exact reason you brought him over and brought him to life. God damn it, Patrick. Seriously, just lie to Patrick. Send the fucking cowboy back. Hell, send a little bear back and just end this fucking movie. Yeah, he could have easily put them all back, send things right, destroyed the cabinet and been like, hey, quit being a crying bitch. Let's go skateboard with my new skateboard that I'm not using, my new helmet that I'm not using, (laughs) and we can just pretend like this never happened. But no, we have to keep going. He had the saw blades. He could have he could have chopped that up in like two seconds flat. Are you saying? Wait, oh, oh, you're talking about the cabinet, not the because I literally heard you say that. I thought you were talking about like a miniature version of Saw. I was like, that shit's really dark. It is a horror movie, so it's like two steps away from that. Dude, Frank Oz wanted to make a horror film. That's what I can tell you right now. Oh, he wanted to make a horror film, not a kids film. Guys, we could write the horror movie version of this, and it would be fucking incredible. I think we should. So anyways, this is where Boone finds out there's an Indian, because Patrick says, you know, the cowboys and Indians don't keep them together. And this is where he goes full racist. Aggressive racism yep. right at this point. Yeah, he's like, he basically tries to shoot Little Bear, calls him a redskin, before, again, Omri picks him up and puts him in a dresser drawer where he continues to be racist. <laughs> Paul says, make sure that savage doesn't scalp you in your sleep jesus christ so little bear calls omri out for lying about not bringing any more men into the world and that's when omri said sorry that was my asshole friend i'm sending that racist piece of shit back now and that was the end of boone just kidding (laughs) now that we've put the racist in the corner uh, we're gonna take a little break and we'll be back for more of god more of this shit the indian in the cupboard Screw you, Omri. You can't tell me who I show them to. They're people, Patrick. You can't use people. Okay, what's going on here, boys? And before you answer, Omri, I'm going to need you to stop always looking into the middle distance with eyes that are as lifeless as a Victorian doll's. But teacher, that's just how I look. Yeah, that. Stop doing that. It's nothing, teacher. We'll just head over to computer class now. No. You two are obviously fighting about something, and it's obviously the fanny pack. So show me what's in there. Come on. They're just toys. Plastic toys. Plastic. Christ, Omri. The word is plastic. Plastic has an S in the middle. And I swear to God, Omri, if you don't start acting like a human child, I will give you detention. Now, Patrick, just open the fanny pack. See? They're just plastic toys. Yeah, and how dumb do you think I am? Those are obviously not plastic. Are are those tiny people? Well, shucks, they found us. Why and how do you have tiny people? My brother, Vincent Kartheiser, found a cupboard and gave it to me for my birthday, and it turns plastic toys into real people because of a magic key my mother got from my grandmother, and that was her inheritance. 
So the story you've been reading in class is... Completely true. It's not my problem that you thought it was fiction. Yeah, well, between your story and JFK conspiracy theories, I really have no idea what the hell's going on in your kids' heads anymore. But look, literally owning people? That is insanely unethical. And you two are in big trouble. I'm calling both your parents, and you both have detention. Forever. Okay, awesome, John. And that's where you come in as little bear. And that's when I literally stab you in the face. Okay, someone's in a mood. And we're back. And despite being pissed off at Omri and thinking he's a liar, uh, Little Bear lets fucking Omri take him outside to hunt a deer that Omri has magicked into the world. He takes out the Lego box into the backyard. Little Bear lets the deer run away because he's a sporting gentleman. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Not a sociopath who's like, I enjoy the hunt. I like to watch them run. I like them to think they have a chance. (laughs) And by the way, he looks up and smiles at Omri and everything. So clearly he doesn't give a fuck that this kid lied and continued to bring men into this world. All you need is a good night's rest to clear all the slates. Exactly. And he's letting him murder things. So like, how can he be mad at somebody who lets you murder? And by the way, while he's hunting, Omri just does a side quest, runs inside, and puts Vincent Kardheiser's rat's ball, not the rat, but just the ball, in a laundry hamper in the basement for reasons. <laughs> just because he felt like it. Oh, also, the third act needed some extra stakes going on there. It's like, yeah, what the fuck? He kind of like read ahead in the script. Oh, but then he comes back outside. Little Bear has killed the deer and is doing like this prayer thing. And he's brought out the figurine of the dead old dude that he killed earlier. And so he buries the figurine in the backyard and says the same prayer as Little Bear does over the deer. And it's supposed to be like a spiritual connection moment for them. But it's fucking dumb. It's just so... No, it's a day late dollar short. I'll tell you what, it would have been dark. But if he would have put the dead body in the cupboard and then actually had the corpse, I would have respected him more. But instead, he had the toy. Agreed. Agreed. He buries a fucking toy. By the way, uh, Little Bear has tattoos. I think we should mention oh, this. Oh, dude, they're badass. I want those tats. Yeah, they're pretty badass, but here's the You want the thing. a zigzag on the side of your head? <laughs> I have plenty of fucking real estate, John. You know this. <laughs> yeah, but you can get something better than a zigzag is what I'm well, saying. I'm not going to put the fucking no. Dodgers logo on my head. Well, yeah, everyone knows you're, you're you know, Raiders guy, so. Raiders life. Anyway, j- go ahead, Nick. <laughs> So here's the thing about Lightfoot made sure that the everything that he was wearing, he made sure all these tattoos were super authentic. He made the production hire a proper consultant. So apparently his outfit is actually crazy authentic. But his fucking tattoos are literally Sharpie. They oh, literally Sharpie him. So and nice. apparently like, these are not complicated. These are just very basic outlines on his arms and on his head and whatever. Apparently it took three and a half hours to four hours every day to put these fucking tattoos on. <laughs> And they should, you could do these in 20 minutes. You got to be precise and you have to be able to make them repeatable. It's, yeah, that takes, that shit takes time. We'll go with that. It's not just Hollywood money. Definitely not. (laughs) 
Oh, and by the way, in the next segment, I think we get a nice clear shot of Jason's hockey mask or something. Yes, because like we're it. now back in Omri's room and he lets his mom know that he no longer needs his door open because he's a big boy now. He doesn't need the light from the hallway. Yeah, he's not afraid anymore. And there's totally a hockey mask on the back of the door that was freaking me out. Yeah, he, he's got a tiny little Native American man in his room to protect him and his <laughs> balls have just <laughs> dropped. Well, he also has a racist with a with a pistol in his um in with the shirts, and perhaps bravery will come in the face of having to tell Patrick he is a complete cock. No, not yet. We are almost there. Little Bear asks whether his mom knows about him, and Bobby's like, "No, I haven't told her." And from this, Little Bear concludes that he's alone and needs a wife. That's for, because Omri's mom. Where the fuck did that come from? Who the fuck knows? Hey, dude, when you gotta get it, you gotta get it. All right, jeez, give the guy a fucking break, man. He's got like wood. He's been alone in this kid's house. Probably stinks to high heaven in that room. Can you imagine? He's just got a boat. It's a full-on Frankenstein's monster kind of thing. You know, he he gets born. That's the request he has for Doctor Frankenstein: yeah. is build me a wife. It's so many horror themes. So the next morning, Omri wakes up to a shootout between Boone and Little Bear. Apparently, Boone got out of his drawer by climbing down a shoelace and know the fuck he did it. There are no shoes in this goddamn drawer. <laughs> That's right. There were none. There was a baseball. There was a baseball and, and there was some nary jammies. a lace to be seen. And Did you say jammies? Yes, I said jammies. It's a little boy's okay, room. Sure. They are jammies. And so Little Bear shoots an arrow into one of those light-up sneakers that my parents wouldn't buy me, and I'm still very sore about that. Oh, I totally had a pair. Ah, uh, you Fuck bastard. you, John. Fuck you, John. <laughs> Seriously. I'm pretty sure it was the L.A. gear version. I bet no one in L.A. ever wore L.A. gears, but in the rest of the country, that was the shit. Yeah, I saw the commercials and really wanted them, and my... My parents would not buy them for me. Solely because of that, Nick, why is John still here? I... <laughs> He's got shit on us. God damn it. It's okay. He makes me live in the Inland Empire. Yeah, for our safety. <laughs> well, that is, that is more than enough tribute paid. He knows where the saw blades are buried. <laughs> ah, and that is again how you bring a joke back. God damn it, Julian. Oh, that's going to become a thing now. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> he knows where the saw blades are buried. That is why we keep Jules around for gems like that. And so Boone's horse runs away, which distracts Boone long enough for Little Bear to shoot his half off with an arrow. And finally, Omri intervenes. He just watches this for several minutes. He just watches these two tiny men try and kill each other. And he picks up Boone and plonks him on the bed because that's just kind of his default way of dealing with Boone. Boone calls Little Bear a stinking savage. Rude. This movie will want us to give a fuck about Boone almost dying. And yeah, I can't. No. I can't. No. No. Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy so hard. I could if it came about by entirely different circumstances. <laughs> I, I, I think here's what I would say is we could if he didn't get so fucking horny during the massacre film. That's what I'm saying. If it came under completely yeah. different it's, circumstances. It, yeah, because if he would have had a bit of a more of an arc of a change then yeah there's a little bit where they start becoming friends and then just 
shit happens. Isn't there also an exchange where like little bear is sexist for no reason? Yes. In this moment, in this scene as well, you're absolutely right, Jules, because you know, Omri's like, Hey, I'll just get you all breakfast. And he drops some casual misogyny by calling Omri a woman, because I guess the woman's supposed to do the cooking. It's like, it's like the writer realized that Boone was a complete shit. So at this point had to push some being a shit onto little. So rather than elevate Boone, we're just gonna drop little bear down. We're just gonna bring yeah. down little bear. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna bring down the variables of everybody else instead of raising and elevating the character. And this, might as well just go ahead and smoke another dirty cigarette while you're. And at this it. becomes so very not? problematic later on because, especially with with gender and what happens later on. But oh, we'll the, the women oh in these God. in this movie are fucking decoration. They play no purpose, real purpose. So Little Bear and Boone get into a childish insult match, and Little Bear then insists on that he gets to go to school with Omri and Boone. Um, and apparently Omri is a little bitch and just goes with this. Like, he can't say no to anybody. I will say that the exchange between the three of them with dead eyes in the middle <laughs> is probably, like, the most well-timed segment where looking at the special because you know that's I, true I have the thing that in front of true. me i'm looking at i'm like actually this is as far as just the technicality of it it's done really well um i mean he's terrible because yeah. he's dead-eyed and then the unfortunate circumstances we cut directly to the almighty hatred damon spawn patrick yes we are we're about to see patrick again Be- uh, omri takes forever to walk to school because he's got two living people in his fanny pack dude he's walking like he has the world's most categorically amazing hemorrhoid. <laughs> I've never seen anybody walk with such a ginger and pointed de- <laughs> determination as somebody who didn't have a couple prolapses and just some gingleberries hanging yep. out there. I mean, my God, it's amazing. And nobody questions it. Nobody questions it. Again, it's either like these are very permissive parents. And again, I think he's neurodivergent and they're just trying to be accommodating, but he's actually just a little fucking asshole. And so he, yeah, because he doesn't even say goodbye to his mother and she's totally cool with that. Again, if I just ignored my mother and did not respond to her, I would still be grounded to this day. Like she's just a goddamn doormat. It's so weird. And again, the mother is there just to shuttle him to school. That is her primary purpose in this movie. So in the hallway, Omri and Patrick do a human trafficking drug deal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, they do. It's great. Gives Patrick the fatty pack. It's so existentially terrifying, you guys. It really is. (laughs) Guys, Patrick is way too fucking excited to own another human being. Okay, so now Patrick has the fanny pack in class. And there's a moment where Omri insists on presenting their group project so Patrick can stay still. Apparently being stuck in a fanny pack is all that Little Bear and Boone need to get over hating each other. They were shooting at each other this morning, but now they are best of fucking buddies. Hell, Boone even cries when he finds out that Smallpox killed Little Bear's wife. Damn right. Did you not see Hateful Eight? Do you not know how humans do? They get emotional and they bond in in the fanny pack. Here's something I do absolutely know. Lunch menu announcements are hilarious. Yes. Oh, God. So funny. Well, that does bridge the gap betwixt these two men of disparate backgrounds. Yeah, they get done with this emotional scene and, you know, sharing and learning about each other. And then over the intercom, it's like, today, students, we will have mac and cheese and build your own sandwich. What the fuck? All ham. I don't know. Now that is a drop. 
all ham. <laughs> the sandwich shall be all ham. With the same creativity that, you know, ended up with the skylight sequence in this movie, all ham. Yep. Okay, how dare you again attack that one vestige of hope? The kid <laughs> literally needs light in his life. How many times do I have to defend this to you, Julian? Jesus Christ! Also, apparently during this this fanny pack sesh, uh, Little Bear feels like having another kid will help him get over his wife's death. Yeah, I have that quote in the notes too. Like just getting married again, having some kids, it's like he'll be able to forget about that bitch who just died of smallpox. Again, little bear's misogyny, you know, coming out the here. The point is, bring me a woman. Bring me a woman. Bring me a thing. Okay, so I am again perplexed by what is going on actually just in this classroom because Omri gets up and he's like, oh, Patrick and I made a volcano. We made a clay. We baked it up. And I'm like, okay, like it's science project time. And then the next person gets up and she made a map of the United States using food. Like she used rice and beans and yarn and the deserts are brown sugar apparently this course covers literally everything from composition to history to science to everything this must be homeschool but in another place <laughs> something like that I, i'm surprised they don't have like intelligent design mixed in it they might you don't know so out of the hallway, the teacher asks Omri about the story he's writing, where he basically narks on himself for having enslaved a Native American and racist Texan. Boone is from Texas, we've learned at some point. While the teacher's trying to talk to him, Omri sees Patrick about to show some other kids what's in the fanny pack, and Omri runs over and stops him. By the way, these kids just fuck off without saying a word. They do not react to the situation at all. Yeah, like Patrick was about to sell him some drugs or some shit, and then the teacher's <laughs> coming over going hey what's going on here yeah he literally looked like a character out of the wire just like <laughs> oh shit 5-0 coming let's go and this is when i realized that for some reason we were done a great disservice and the teacher is not ted ramey <laughs> oh, something about the sadness. glasses and just the teacher garb i was like this should have been ted fucking ramey <laughs> should have been ted ramey should have been teaching these kids about the erogenous zones of the 90s is that a callback to Candyman? It's further back, further back. Baywatch. Yeah. Ah. Ted Raimi is about the erogenous zones of the 90s. That is his mission in life. Yes. And so Patrick is a fucking asshole and I hate him. He's like, I could show them if I want to. Like, I, I, like I'm entitled to ruin this whole thing. This is Deadeyes' worst acting in the movie. His worst line delivery. Oh, this is Patrick's worst acting in the movie. This is all the kids are terrible actors. Oh, yeah. This is the worst scene. This is the worst scene. You think they were told to act and they just couldn't stop while this was being shot? Because Omri just over and over, no, 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 they're people. What's going on, kids? I can jump. No, 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 they're people. That's it for however fucking long this goes on. Well, that and Omri just leaning and sighing yes. over a railing. That is the old, that is his uh, acting crutch in this whole scene. That's his Gregory Peck moment. This you know? is when we needed a Bannister death. That's what we needed in this movie. Uh, Bannister death killing Omri and we're fucking finally out of this goddamn movie. But no, there is no mercy. And Patrick amasses like a civilization that he rules over. <laughs> 
Uh, so the teacher insists on seeing what's inside the family pack, and then Omri yells out really loudly, oh, they're just plastic figurines, just plastic. 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 And that's where that finally comes back around from the teepee. Yep, and then so Boone and Little Bear pretend to be figurines, and apparently this fools the teacher because the detail on them is way the fuck more than has been on any toy in this entire movie. And Patrick still says, yeah, they're just people. Huh? Uh. What? Yeah, see, Nick, it's not just any toy in this movie. It's just like a- anything in this movie, the detail's been that high. Yeah. And by the way, what incentive do Little Bear and Boone have to play along? They are hostages to children. Maybe they want an adult <laughs> to come in and help them. Have you not heard of Stockholm Syndrome? Ah, oh, that's true. At this point, they are literally subjects to a giant <laughs> monster god. Stockholm Syndrome gets far too much coverage. It's like one of the rarest cases in all hostage circumstances. Not in the movies. And thank you very much, Julian, for coming in with the most boring scientific injection you could have had. That's what I'm here for. And by the way, now we just get another random reading story scene, including the weirdo kid talking about fucking JFK again. (laughs) Fuck this kid! Fuck this kid. In my head, I was just saying, I really wish this line could be JFK became president because he hated communists more than the other guy. Yeah. That's that's what I, I couldn't get out of my head because this kid was bugging me so much. And he fucked Marilyn Monroe. Where's I hope that's part of your report. JFK wore makeup on TV and Richard Nixon didn't and was sweaty looking. Okay, here's the here's the million dollar question for anybody who was paying attention. What is the name of that kid, that character? Who the fuck knows? Don't care. Sam. Sam? Sam. I need to know what he's done since. That's what Probably I- nothing like he has done nothing. Literally, that is his only credit. And I am really angry. Yeah, Omri and Patrick also have only done one thing. But what's crazy about this scene, this random extra scene, is that it makes no sense in the continuity of the film because when they were leaving the teacher's class, they were going to computer class. So they just put this scene in to put this scene in. They needed to fucking pad the (laughs) runtime again. Do you think all of those scenes were actually one scene and they had just split it up and threw it out throughout the movie? Sure. Why the fuck not? So outside, Omri asks his mom if Patrick can spend the night. Apparently, they're their buddies again, so conflict resolved. And also, apparently, he's stolen a wife figure from the diorama and replaced it with another toy that definitely doesn't belong there. Some fat guy in a purple suit. I don't know who this character is. Uh, looks like Kingpin of some sort. Maybe Kingpin. Yeah, but he has hair. I don't know. I don't know what he's from. Anyway. So back at his house, Omri shows Little Bear the little lady Indian figurine. Boone hints also that he wouldn't mind settling down himself. So you got any uh, cow ladies? Maybe grab me one too. Omri goes to lock the figurine. You're skimming over this too much. I'm sorry. He literally goes up to him, puts this object of woman in front of him and says, it's a wife. It is literally objectifying women. The metaphor doesn't get any more solid than that. You're right. Good to call that out. But again, it's not a metaphor. It's literal. It is literally. This is object that I can give you. Yeah. It's atrocious. Yeah. And and of course, even if I bring her here, she will definitely marry you because women have no agency. Your great God spirit. But then? But then he goes to lock the figure in the cupboard, but uh uh-oh, the cupboard's gone. (gasps) 
And this is the most intense music in this fucking movie. For what is essentially a goddamn fetch quest. For what is walking around the house looking for his little cupboard, this is... The killer has chased you up the stairs. <laughs> dude, dude, the stakes are so much higher. They're so high, man. Higher than me right now, bro. Dude, you take that edible sweet. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, the stakes are higher because he has to go upstairs to his older brother's room. And by the way, the skylight is there now, so that fucking threat has been resolved. Yes, one of them is lying on the floor <laughs> under the skylight. Guess what? He got his fucking skylight. Good for you, bro. Good for you, Good bro. B-plot wrapped up. And so he goes up there and asks Vincent Karnizer where his cupboard is. And he tells Omri, like, hey, go give me my rat ball back and I'll tell you where your cupboard is. We watch him go all the way down, get the rat ball out of the basement, go all the way up. Because, again, he put the rat ball down there just so we could have this fucking moment. Brings it back to him. He's like, yeah, it's in the crawl space under the, the stairs. Right. So it. he has to go get the cupboard back from Harry Potter. Yeah, he has to get it back from Harry Potter. Harry Potter gives it to him. But, uh-oh, the key is missing. More obstacles in the way of these characters. Boone is bummed out to find out that he he won't be going home anytime soon. He really wants to go home because his hometown has a railroad coming through. There's a, a new doctor in town. And it's 1879, the dawn of a new century. No, the fuck it's not. You are actually closer <laughs> to the dawn of a new century right now in 1995. I was going to say, and also a dawn of all sorts of different sorts of racism. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And how. Let's hear more about that railroad, shall we? Yeah. We haven't even had the 1920s iteration of the KKK yet. There's all sorts of fun racist shit. There's all sorts of goodies down the road for you, you white supremacist little shitbag. Oh, this guy's going to be in a white hood so fucking soon. Anyways... If he isn't already, this is fucking the South in the 1870s. So we see the older brothers leave the house with their buddies for no fucking reason. <laughs> the most pointless scenes ever. The parents are like waiting for it to rain. Yeah, they're sitting there watching a storm and the everyone else leaves the house. The end. Yeah, just, um, that's it. <laughs> that's fucking it. God, this movie. So now, now we're getting to this crazy moment. We've been alluding to this movie scene earlier. The Omri, Patrick, Little Bear, and Boone are, I, what, I don't know what fucking room they're in because Omri doesn't have a TV in his room, but they're in a bed watching a TV. No, that's the parents' room right oh, there. Oh, they're in the parents' room. Because it's a huge sleigh-style bed. I believe it's the exact same bed that they were in earlier when he wasn't when he wasn't feeling well. Cool. They're watching Motley Crue's Girls, Girls, Girls music video. Mm -hmm. Very age appropriate. Yeah. And Boone calls this disgusting. He calls this. I think he's trying to hide the fact that he is turned on immensely. He's absolutely he's, into this. There's no way he's, yeah, he's not. Kids don't know what to do with their boners. It's all there is to it. Very true. And Boone is convinced that what he's watching is real, which is honestly not that crazy. I think the you remember the first film that people watched was the train coming towards them and people freaked the fuck out because they thought it was real. So that's not beyond the pale. So he's convinced that what he's watching is real. Then they change the channel to a black and white movie of Native Americans getting slaughtered by cowboys. And, and Boone, Boone shows his true colors. Fucking into this. He just starts, yeah, get them Navajo bastard, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Woo -ha, it's a bunch of cowboys just slaughtering. And Little Bear is terrified. And Little Bear turns and is like, are you 
fucking kidding me right now with this shit? He gets just as caught up as as uh, Boone does. Yeah, he thinks that it, he, he shoots Boone because he can't tell the difference between Boone, who's cheering and firing his gun off like a dumbass, and what's on the screen. So he shoots Boone in the chest. And this is where the movie got super dark. That's super dark. By the way, at no point, like, it did not occur to the fucking boys that what they were watching was not what they should be showing. Like, oh, hey, we've got fucking Little Bear here. Maybe we don't watch the movie about Native American genocide. Just throwing that the fuck out there. Can I give one point of credit to the film that when we had Boone fall from the crest of the knee uh, mountain, we did not have a Wilhelm scream. Yep. Boo. I feel like in most movies, we would have had... But we did not in this one. I feel like the scene would have been improved with the Wilhelm scream. I'm just going <laughs> to. Fair enough. Yeah. So he falls down onto the bed. Yeah. He's been perched on Patrick's knee. So he falls off with the arrow in his head. He's like, little bear, amigo. Because he calls him amigo, you see, because they're friends. They yeah. Shut up. I am not your amigo. You just got off on watching my people get genocided. You got what you deserved. Yeah. Friendship over, motherfucker. I know we bonded and had a little laugh over build your own sandwich, but some things you just can't overcome. No. And by the way, the movie wants us to care about about this racist genocide supporter. But the problem is we can't because dead eyes and douchebag are very unlikable characters when they have their sad face while douchebag is slowly dying. But it's literally a trifecta of who gives a fuck. But, but they're white. Uh uh, two thirds <laughs> are white. Only half the room is white, actually. Well, I was saying betwixt the three that we're supposed to care about. But yes, out yes. of all four, half the room is white. Suffice to say, it's not enough to carry us through to the gold medal finish. No. no. And there's a total of like 15 minutes left in this fucking movie. And boy, are they the longest. They are so fucking long. This movie literally has diminishing returns. <laughs> where the further it goes, the slower the narrative becomes. It's like, let's ramp this Yeah, they down. jumped right into it at the beginning. and then. So now they take Boone back to the longhouse. Uh, turns out he's not dead, but they're going to need to bring Tommy back to heal him. They bring Tommy back and he tells Omri that he can't take the arrow out because he'll start bleeding. And then he takes the fucking arrow out. And that's when Boone bled out and died and got what he fucking deserved. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that for the sake of time, we're jumping ahead a bit, but I feel like didn't we leap over the entirety of the missing key? No, we're not there yet. No, no, no. The missing key is beforehand because whilst they're watching the movie. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Rewind. Yes. I fucked up. They haven't brought Tommy back. Little Bear says they can't take the arrow. Little Bear just pulls that shit out. He's just like, if I do, there will blood, blood will flow. And then that's where you're but, at. But, you know, if we had some husks, then we're good. And he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. You can't get World War One medic is, is the point. Right. Quick aside, I'm not a doctor, but here's the thing. I did take first aid in high school. I was the captain of our first aid society. Never. Never. You had Don't a take first aid society? Things. Can we, we sidebar whole... this sidebar real quick? I was going to say, I feel like we need to unpack this because... What? We took official first aid courses, and it. this is, again, I went in my boarding school. You have to have first aid representation at rugby games. And so apparently instead of hiring professionals, they just let the fucking students do it. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. So yeah. I have like dragged kids off of rugby fields with concussions and bleeding and all this shit. Okay. But like we had stuff where they had first aid classes and stuff like that. One of them was part of getting like a lifeguard certification so you could get a job that way. But it wasn't like first aid club or anything like that. This <laughs> was first aid club. Did you get a badge or a pin or something? Or? Fuck yeah, I did. I got I got first aid honors. I had a whole special badge that went on my blazer. It was a whole thing. Wow. Uh, gentlemen, uh, round of applause. Thank you. Thank you very much. But what I need to get to so we get- I feel like we're lingering too much. Basically- if there's an impaled object, you leave that fucker in. You leave that fucker in because it might be the thing that is keeping your goddamn blood in. Yes. It might have severed an artery or a vein or whatever. But that pressure up against it is keeping you from bleeding out. Yeah. Exactly. You leave that thing, you stabilize the fuck out of it, and you let medical professionals fucking deal with it. Knife Well, this Native American and this little kid don't know that they're no, idiots the late native american does know it because little bear literally says we can't take it out because then it'll bleed right. and then he yoinks fuck out so he does uh, know so he does it on purpose because he wants to kill the fucker is what we're saying it was a long way to say it he's literally saying hey if i take this out he might die and he looks him in the eyes and says die fuck you white racist <laughs> i'm going to take your white man's gun I mean, listening to Lightfoot's rap songs, this would be very in character. Anyways, so Bob comes Wait, in. Wait, have you listened to them? Oh, can we finish the episode with one song? Um, We don't have the rights for them, but definitely go into YouTube and listen. Anyways, Mom comes in to say goodnight and lets the boys know that there will be some sort of adversarial force for the climax because Vincent Kartheiser's rat has gotten loose and is running around under the floorboards. So Dead Eyes Rocky and fucking Patrick decide that because there's a rat under the floorboard somewhere, they have to take watches throughout the night. It's the only reasonable way. And Patrick, because he's a fucking asshole, says he'll give Omri a million dollars if Omri takes first watch. And my note here is, fuck Patrick. I tell you, you can't not say it for, for like, five ten minutes in this movie yeah fuck patrick make good on your promise that's what i wanted was <laughs> show me the money yeah, literally just... jerry Maguire. that shit show me the money but then it doesn't matter because they both fall asleep anyway worst night watch they're ever. both terrible yeah cut to omri passed out onto the floor gets woken up by little bear playing a maraca over boone as if that's gonna fucking do anything did you just call it maraca <laughs> i don't know what it's called it, it, it's it's like a native american maraca i want to know where he got it yeah where the fuck did he get it he made it damn it the guy was asleep <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those. Okay, I, I, so anyway. Native American Baraka, he's playing that. And then we hear the rat, and it wakes Patrick up. They open up a floorboard and look down at within a flashlight, and lo and behold, there's the key. We found the key. They try to get it out, but it falls deeper into the floorboards. Little Bear volunteers to go down and get it, but declines to take his fucking bow and arrow with him, even though there's a giant rat running around there. I feel like he would want to take that or the hatchet or like literally anything legitimately nice moment in this movie because the key was like there was just a hole kind of in the floorboards 
So Little Bear's just going to jump straight down there, and he doesn't fit because he's too big. And he actually has this little chuckle of realization, and it's it's an actual nice little moment. But yeah, it does get slightly ruined in the fact that we don't get to see this climactic battle with the rat. This would have been amazing. We just get to see stupid kids running all over the place on top of it. Hey, they didn't have money, okay? Yeah, so he he can't go down that hole, but there's a board that's just already pried up, like three slats away for some reason. Well, no, the, he uh, Dead Eyes had pried it up earlier. Yeah, Omri picked it up because he was for reasons I I don't know who the fuck the movie needed him to. He was looking for the rat. But point being, he didn't put it. He back. didn't put it back. It's still just it's there's still just a trip hazard in the middle of the room. It was called a telegraph of the ending, is what it's right, called. Right. So. Yeah, now we're treated to the climax of this movie, which is Omri and Patrick helplessly scrambling around the floor while Little Bear runs away from a rat off screen. We can only hear shit happening. So Yeah. Action. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally two kids scrambling back and forth with random close-ups of other games, like faintly blurred out or not. Why are we looking at board games and shit? I, I don't know. And then cuts back to that pried up board and betwixt these, we're supposed to feel the drama. Right. Oh, and then Dead Eyes finally tries to act. Does he? <laughs> Emphasis not on finally. But tries. Emphasis on tries. Yes. Yeah, well I he eventually he pulls Little Bear out of the floor. There's like a moment of tension. Not really. It's a kid's movie. We know he's alive. Oh, but there is a jump scare there is a jump scare the rat yes this is a horror movie i tell you it, it actually got me i confess it was i highly recommend you go back and look at this shit frame by frame because <laughs> it is terrifying it is it literally is. like that scene in deep blue sea when samuel <laughs> l gets eaten you see this giant fucking white rat just bounce out his mauls open up and luckily little bear makes it away Yep. Because Patrick does the one fucking thing his entire purpose of this movie is, is to save somebody. Because he's yeah, he a useless gr- shit until now. Yeah, he grabs the rat and he takes it outside. I want to know how Patrick developed the reflexes to catch a rat with his bare hands. There, there are still problems with this kid, man. He's got serious issues. <laughs> Well, he has no friends outside of Dead Eyes. So no friends. Got it. Yeah. He's like Willard. He captured rats, talked to them, set them free. That's my that's my book. Okay. Well, they finally are now able to bring Tommy back, and he takes a bandage of husks, I guess, out of Boone's wound. Yeah, where the fuck did those come from? I don't know, but he apparently found something to act as an interim bandage. And Tommy patches him up with, like, an injection and just better bandages. Apparently, this is what they needed to go through all this shit for. Yep. You might as well give him morphine and a bunch of bandages. Sorry, Julian. He's used to us Dick Van Dyking. It's okay. Do you like heroin? I'm going to give you heroin. With a nice brandy chaser. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be jiggered. Oh, there it is. Bring it back, baby. 
Very uh, nice. Jules hasn't said a lot this episode, but what he's been saying has been fantastic. Oh, by the way, while he's this is happening, Little Bear refers to Boone as his amigo. And how the fuck is he your amigo at this stage of the movie? I know. But Tommy says that Boone needs the care of a doctor. And Omri remembers that there's a new doctor back in Boone's town. And by the way, I would trust a World War I yeah. medic over an 1879 yeah. fucking doctor any day of the goddamn week. Yeah, they were essentially butchers. Moon's gonna go back and get given like some cocaine to rub in there. Yeah. <laughs> they're literally gonna go in there and they're just gonna like use a fucking leather saddle stitch and scoop him up. Right. And then they're gonna pat it with some whiskey and say y'all better now because that is essentially what medicine was at the time he might get a bit of cauterization that is a bunch of horse and shit he's not getting any of that he's gonna get the best of luck to you sir is what it is so part two is boone's dead motherfucker yeah boone dies in his shitty town in texas i'm okay with that it's a happy ending then <laughs> it's a happy ending yeah but instead he wakes up and it totally looks like they were screwing each other. They were screwing each other, Ooh. and then they just fell asleep right there. Ah, <laughs> uh, the gay porno we deserve after watching this bullshit. Anyways, uh, Patrick still does it. They're talking about sending it back for the doctor. Patrick still doesn't want to send them back because he's still a piece of shit yes i have just in caps just send them back to their own lives already damn it i i honestly think the theme of this show in general has been fuck these kids fuck these kids <laughs> so omri finally grows a goddamn pair of balls and says no it's time for them to go home i don't need to ask you permission patrick to use my own goddamn cupboard with my own fucking human toys uh as they sent tommy back don't send the rest of them back by the way oh of course not. boone wakes up and again like my question here is since tommy couldn't give him a blood transfusion what the fuck did he do for boone that they aren't weren't already doing he gave him, him that injection he, he had the syringe. he gave him morphine bro he gave him that good sweet drug now with this upcoming shit that we're gonna have there are two scenes that i'm pretty sure should have been the other way around <laughs> but let's get to well it. let's get to them and the, you let us know about your theory so Boone finally feels bad about being a racist piece of shit. <laughs> like just now, finally realizing, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, you know, I deserve to get shot with an arrow. And yes, you goddamn yes, did. Yes, you did. You know, he's implying that. But yeah, he does absolutely fucking deserve it. And Little Bear's happy that Boone's alive, despite him having cheered a depiction of his people being slaughtered. Well, not his people necessarily, but people like him being slaughtered. I don't know which tribe was being killed in that movie. Uh, I believe I actually did look that up. I'll tell you in a second. Okay. And while you're looking that up, we'll keep going. Despite the fact that Omri is going to be sending Little Bear back and he's second, he feels the need to try and bring him a wife by putting the lady Indian figure in the yeah. closet. This is it. It should have been the other way around. He should have made the choice right before he was going to do that. You know, he should have that should have been stopped by Little Bear, because even though Little Bear is apparently sexist, even he realizes it's too much. It should have been that beforehand, so he makes the choice to send him back. But he makes the choice to send him back and then bring the wife. So is he keeping the wife? 
it's I think it's like I'm gonna create wife and then send you with her. Again, he doesn't know how it actually works, but that's his plan. And then Little Bear is going, well, no, because if you bring her here, you're taking her away from whatever life she has. Someone's actually finally fucking thinking in this movie. <laughs> Art has something to say. So, Art, did you did you figure out? I did. Uh, the video that we watched was actually from a film called The Last of His Tribe. And it was about a tribe called the Yahi. So not the Apache, the Yahi. Yeah, I think Boone yells like, damn Apache or something. That makes him doubly racist. Now he's just like, oh, any Indian's an Indian. Well, any Indian's an Apache when we know that Little Bear is Iroquois. Right. Yes. They're all them redskins, so, you know. So the next morning before they go, Little Bear does a celebratory dance around a fire in front of his fucking longhouse. And Boone joins in on the cultural appropriation. Of course. Boone tries to join in like George W. Bush trying to join an African dance. It is real bad. And this shitty dancing is mercifully stopped by pain from his wound. Yes. Yes, it is. And by the way, the horse is back now. (laughs) Where the fuck is this horse man? That is a very valid point. The horse disappeared when it was convenient, which was, let's forget about the issues of an equine being in this strange world. Because you can you imagine what it's like to talk to a sentient being, right? Right. Now deal with a horse. There are definitely massive tiny horse shits around this Oh my house. God, he's going to be stepping in little horse shits everywhere. Oh my God. Quite a few years back, there was a commercial. I forget what the hell it was for, but it was kind of a joke about how this guy was so rich and everything was so extravagant, like everything was gold and everything. And he had this tiny miniature giraffe. You remember that? I don't. This is how he got it. He got his hands on the fucking cupboard and just put like a little plush animal in there. Dude, are you saying that he stuck a giraffe? Oh, no, you're saying he stuck a toy. That makes sense. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I was going the other way. It's not the machine from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I know we referenced that earlier, but this is a different movie. My bad. So while this is going on, Boone is wondering if they'll go back to the exact moment when they disappeared. Or if time had moved on. And the basic answer is, I don't know. Yeah, how the fuck do you expect Aubrey to know? He's been here the whole time. Yeah, we don't know the science. We have no idea. You sent Little Bear back and forth once or twice at the beginning. He might have some insight. He has none. Doesn't feel like chiming in. Because Little Bears now goes on about how Omri, if he was his nephew, would be about time to abandon him in the woods for his coming-of-age ritual. You know, and he, he explains it in depth, like how he would take him through the forest, and he would teach him how to survive, and then he would leave him, and he would have to live on his own for a season. And then when he came back, there'd be a giant celebration because he would now be a man. And somehow, there's a daydream of Omri and Little Bear in a forest, but Little Bear is like his regular size. To child. Yeah, he's regular size. And this is the worst composite shot in the movie. Yes, it is. Where it's <laughs> two people sure. standing in a forest and they had to extremely poorly blue screen this. You guys jumped over the thing that really annoyed me was while they're sitting there having this chat. He's sitting there, Little Bear, burning shit in the fire. And then he's like, here, let me give you something to burn. Oh, yeah. And the kid puts his fingers right 
over the flame. Doesn't move, just sits there taking the hot, wicking flames, licking up, grabs this little turd nugget and then burns it and then boom. But the thing is like, oh, come on, where's the reality of the circumstance? How are you not feeling the heat of this fire? We have established that Dead Eyes feels nothing. That's true. Dead Eyes does feel nothing, which then <laughs> in turn to what we're talking about now, what you just mentioned is why this entire sequence fails because Dead Eyes feels nothing. No matter how hard he tries to do the quote unquote acting, they put a camera in front of this fucking rhino of a dumbass human being and waited until he would react. They would hammer him in the toes with a nail and fucking file. They would do anything they could to elicit a real human reaction until finally he would just grin like a fucking moron until finally they hit the right note when a globule of tear would trickle down. I hate him so much. Oh, God, that was beautiful. I want that to be my ringtone. But he gets fucking creepy here because, you know, before we go to this shitty composite shot in the woods, this fucking kid closes his eyes so he can imagine this. And he says in a way that can only be described oh as God. sexual. He goes, little bear. I must masturbate now. This little boy saying little bear like he wants to fuck this man. It is not okay. It's not okay. Was this in the novelization? Is this like a Chuck Palahniuk novel where people are suddenly putting miniatures in their urethra and doing some weird sort of kinky shit? My God, what is this movie? I can say with definitive authority that people are not putting tiny people up their urethras in the children's book that this is based on. <laughs> well, I just want to say that this is a missed opportunity, John. Missed opportunity. Well, I just want to bring up, was this the moment where they pulled that old bullshit line that, you know, the Native American tribes were in balance with nature? Because that's absolute horseshit. Yeah, they pull that shit. They do. That that gave me a huge eye roll. That's that's propaganda shit right there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's white liberal propaganda. It's, it's not... I mean they full on sent like herds of water buffaloes off cliffs rather than hunting them one at a time. <laughs> I wouldn't call that imbalance with nature. There were too many water buffaloes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> they were in balance with nature in a Thanos sort of way. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now that's the winning line of the night right there. So this whole hallucination in the fucking woods gets interrupted by Boone, who's like, all right, can we go now? And how the fuck did Boone shave? Boone is now, like, clean-shaven and has washed his face. Did he take some of the saw blades from Omri's dad and use them? There that? they are, the fucking saw blades, the elusive saw blades. He did keep coming up with cigarettes out of his jacket. God, just like this movie, we are never going to finish this, are we? No, never. Look, Julian, the cigarettes, he had the rolling papers, he had the tobacco, he pulled out his magical pouch, but... The fucking saw blades. I don't know. <laughs> That's how real men shave. They shave with saw blades. Goddamn okay, right. and here's the thing. Despite everything that he's seen, despite everything that he has experienced, despite everything he knows to be true about Omri, Little Bear still refers to Omri as a great spirit. We're going to let that silence hang for a while. Yeah, let it hang for a while because he's still referring to this little white kid as a god. No. 
I'll put it this way. You're still referring to him by name. His name is Dead Eyes, <laughs> and yet you call him by his Christian name. I thought I thought it was Jewish. <laughs> you call him by his Yiddish name. <laughs> Which, by the way, I want to correct. The name Almeri means the Lord is my life, as was the name of the Hebrew king whose story is told in 1 Kings 16. Cool. And I'll try to forget that. Anyways, can we let's fucking end this fucking movie. Yes, Jesus please. Christ. We've been on the last two minutes. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for like the last 40 minutes to end this movie, but... You've been ranting. <laughs> okay. Are we there? But before... We're almost there. But before we go, we have to give this one last bit of this dude's dickishness. Because Little Bear asks whether the Iroquois in modern times are still a great people. And Omri isn't dick and doesn't tell him to not trust Whitey. Doesn't tell him to not accept any goddamn blankets. Doesn't tell him that he needs to fucking amass the peoples of the nation and rise up against the colonizer. He doesn't say any of that shit. He just lets Little Bear get fucking genocided. Well, that wasn't going to work, dude. Come on. He he's literally saying time is going to be time. We must let time move forward. So anyways, they finally put them back in the fucking cupboard. They pose as their toy poses because why the fuck not? And they're now plastic again and Omri fails at crying. The end. <laughs> But damn it, we get one more JFK kid. Yes, because we're back in his school. And here's the thing. Aubrey tells a story about how he doesn't have to worry about Little Bear anymore. And yes, we get more goddamn JFK. Now it's over. <laughs> we didn't get the ending we wanted. We got the ending we deserved. Yes, which is epic music focusing on Omri's dumb, blank face staring out into nothing and attempting to smile. Attempting that is the ending smile. we deserve at the end of the Is that a cookie? <laughs> Best Twilight Zone episode ever. Oh my god. Finally, we are done with this movie, despite our best efforts to end it early. That was the Indian in the cupboard. And before we go, we as millennials know that every movie and every TV show has a moral. So Jules, what did you learn today? I learned that I really want a movie where Darth Vader fights a Tyrannosaurus. Are you listening, Disney? <laughs> and John, what did you learn? JFK became one of our youngest presidents in 1961. <laughs> John F. Kennedy died in 1963. My uncle says that he remembers exactly where he was when he heard the news. <laughs> oh and Art, did you learn anything? I did. I learned that racism is terrible, but it's okay and alive and well as long as you lock it away in the cupboard. Wow. <laughs> and I learned that the... Native Americans because this movie. <laughs> wow. God damn. What the fuck? Can I get a different what you learned just in case? Can I get an alternate take on this? <laughs> okay. Hi, we're sorry. We've re permanently replaced Nick as host of this podcast. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Art Hall, and I'm here to host Millennial Rewind, the show where we give an unsentimental view of the movies we grew up with. Nick was previously here, but he said some shit that is just not cool. And that is how radio goes. I mean, I've had some I'm going to hell lines on some previous episodes, but damn. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, I'll give you another one. Let me see if I can. Right. Um, fuck. Did I learn that there's nothing else to learn from this goddamn movie? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before we go, we got to tell you what we're doing next time. John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? And <laughs> gearing up for the holiday season, we will be reviewing Santa Claus the movie from 1985, not the Santa Claus. It's a whole different thing. Oh. Oh boy, I haven't seen this and I am I am looking forward with trepidation. I have a boner waiting to hear about this movie. Jesus, this sounds amazing. I didn't even know there was a 1980s movie about Santa. And John, do you have any reviews for us? Oh, indeed I do. <clears throat> One would expect a holiday epic with a title like Santa Claus the movie. It implies something definitive, which would therefore put it in the canon of Christmas classics. However, this is definitely not the case. Magic comes from a feeling and can't be forced. A Christmas story is set entirely in reality, yet is filled with magic of the season. Santa Claus, on the other hand, is forced. It just keeps dragging on and on and on some more, and right when you're ready for it to be over, the second act kicks in. <laughs> oh, God, John, what have you gotten us into? I cannot wait for you to see this thing. Oh, my God. Art, thank you so much for joining us for this movie. Can I whore out something else that I forgot to mention early on? I, I alluded to it. Yeah, Art, where, where can folks find you? You had mentioned where you could find me at arthallonline.com and perhaps at thatwasdisappointing.com. But did you know that I have another podcast? You can find that, not at a website, but look for Subversive Cinema. That's where we talk about the weird, wacky, and downright wrong in cinematic history. And back to you, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for that, Art. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes. And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help others find us. Also, be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Links to both of those are in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.